squeeze it there. Broadhurst down, Bound still pumping punches into it. That's a big miracle! Oh, it is a miracle! Play continues. They could sidestep on a trip and it went this line. Good one. They smacked their bottoms. 40 20. There's a 40 20, it's there. Hits the crossbar. You won't see anything like that again this year, and maybe never. Digging up dead football, it's the Rugby League Cemetery. It does not get any better than that. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery. Very good to have you with us as we continue our voyage of discovery through the history of rugby league, and in many cases, rediscovery. And that's the case today because we're only going back to 2002, the 29th of September 2002. The New Zealand Warriors 16, the Cronulla Sharks 10, in front of 45,702 very, very lucky people at Stadium Australia. Uh, the preliminary final of 2002 the game which sent the Warriors into their first ever grand final and the game which sent Cronulla out at that stage of the competition for the third time in four years. Gazzy, uh, you've watched this match this afternoon. You were as G'd up as I've ever heard you uh, in, in talking about this through the day. You came as close as you've ever come to breaking the no talking about the game before we do the pod rule. Um, are you still a, a few hours on and having watched yeah. Newcastle play the Storm in a process of trial, are you still... <laughs> Are you still maintaining that level of enthusiasm? Well, there's nothing nothing to dampen a game like that, like what than like watching the 2022 Newcastle Knights. But yeah, uh, that aside, I am that keyed up. This I, I did come close to breaking the fourth wall, and I apologise for that. But this was <laughs> this was the most enjoyable game we have watched, bar none mm. uh, at all. This was fantastic. What a call. rugby league! Oh, That's this a huge is call. this it just breaks all sort of taboos, all restrictions, all our understandings and concepts of what should happen in finals football are thrown totally out the window in this contest between two beautifully messy, bizarre rugby league sides. Um, God, it was good to be back. They are. It it does have a very special place, I think, for us, this sort of era, because Mm. it was probably the time when we were watching the most football and all of that. Um, And I think also that these two sides, the reason that I was particularly keen to do this game is that these are two sides which, uh, who who didn't win anything, who didn't end up winning the comp, neither neither the peak throw the ball around Warriors or the peak David Peachy, Preston Campbell kind of um, uh, Cronulla side, neither of them neither of them ever won the premiership, but they are both entitled to be remembered as wonderful teams. Despite that, I, there are plenty of teams who did win the premiership, but I don't remember anywhere near as fondly as these two sides. Oh, absolutely. They might not have won the premiership, but they won my heart, the both of them, and that's uh, far more important, I imagine, and we'll exactly. give them a lot of, com- a lot of comfort yeah, sitting yeah. back and remembering, remembering how close it all came. They were, yeah, the, the David Peachy era Sharks, and they cycled through a few different support casts with him, but they were absolutely wonderful. And the Warriors, I was such a truther for this era, era of the Warriors, the complete... Um, breakdown of any sense warriors that throw it around. Yeah, so everyone on the field madness. Stacey Jones at his absolute peak, playing with a, a band of just absolute mad rampaging <laughs> back rowers and centers, and oh, they they were the most beautiful team for a few years from about. A year or about here till about sort of 2004, 2005, I think. It was a few years in a row. But they were just oh, fantastic. Yeah. And um, this game just lived up to everything I, I thought it would be. I didn't have a huge 
I remember now having watched it, but I didn't have intricate memories of watching it. And it was just fantastic to sit back and watch it all unfold in front of us. And rugby league was very much the winner on the day. There was no winner <laughs> in the game, as far as I'm concerned. Apart from possibly Cronulla. No, uh, yes. no, they, they, won, they won everyone's hearts. That's right. I, it, um, yeah, there was no sense from this that uh, the Warriors, or for that matter, Cronulla, uh, had taken anything into account uh, for the fact that it was a preliminary final. It didn't, it didn't seem to slow any of the... They didn't curb any of their natural instincts in this game just because it was a final. Um, I might give you a bit of background on this season. You won't need it, I suspect, but people listening might want a refresher. This is 2002, so this is the year Canterbury get booted out for bombing the salary cap. Uh, the Warriors, which meant the Warriors uh, won the minor premiership. 17 wins, seven losses, uh, 688 points scored. In 2002, 454 conceded. Uh, the first time they'd really been contenders in the NRL. It, it was only the second time they'd made the finals. The year before they'd made it and got beaten by 50 in the first round, in the first <laughs> week. Um, I just wanted to run you quickly through their seasons before this. 10th, 11th, 7th, which is Super League. 15th, 11th, 13th, and then 8th uh, in 2001, 56-12 out in the first round. Um this is this is the first time they've ever been a serious team and a, and a serious kind of um, worry for the premiership. Their season itself is quite mad. They won eight in a row from round seven to 14. Wouldn't you love to go back over some of those games when they're on an eight in a row streak? The, 2000, the 2002 <laughs> yeah. Warriors, goodness me. Oh, yeah. But they then managed to lose two from three in the run into the finals, including a 44-0 loss to the Roosters, <laughs> like as minor premiers. Yeah. Beat the Tigers in the last round to get the minor premiership. I want a few results from their season just to talk about exactly what you said of obeying no rules and no logic. They beat the Roosters 21-14, then lost to them 44-0. Mm. They beat the Sharks 42-20 in the early rounds of the season, then lost to them 36-24. Um, and against the Northern Eagles, they won, <laughs> they, they won 68-10. And lost eighteen sixteen. Yeah, none of that surprises me. I know it's, I know <laughs> other people might listen and be surprised, but none of that surprises me. It's good to see the Northern Eagles got one pack. <laughs> Isn't it good? Off, off the back of sixty eight ten, like it's. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. see some history of next matchup after a sixty point loss, and how yeah, many times that- the the side on the receiving end got home. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, isn't it? It's a real real mark for. A, it, that's the sort of side you want to back to win three or four in a row to make to win the grand final. You got, yeah. you got to win a few in a row, <laughs> and you go, "Gee, so we, we can really back the momentum here." Um, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a very funny season this one because it's one of the most open final series actually because mm. they we're not used to seeing them finish so high and that's new. But but one thing that really opened that year up was obviously that the Bulldogs went. Sort of, I forget how many they won in a row, but it was about eighteen or something, wasn't it? They won a lot of games in a row. Yeah, seventeen, I think. Yeah. Out. So yeah, seventeen. Yeah. So that they won um, everything, and were you know odds on to be have one of those barnstorming years we see from Melbourne and Brisbane over the years to just sort of roll through the comp. Um, and Newcastle were the the defending premiers and were during Canterbury's run, that was the famous Hazamel Mesri sideline goal. So no one was getting close to the Bulldogs, and and the Knights lost by a point to them in quite a close game. So they were sort of you sort of thought, oh, Canterbury and, and, and Newcastle were the two red-hot sides. So we go to the finals. You've got no Canterbury, 
who finished last on 38 points or something. Yeah. And um, Newcastle, Andrew Johns uh, goes out for the season in 15 minutes into the first final. So Newcastle go from fairly raging hot favourites once Canterbury are out to absolutely Buckley's none, uh, 0% chance of winning anything in everyone's eyes except teenage you and I, I suspect, who thought they could oh. still get it done with, with Sean Rudder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, uh, I think you and I experienced the despair of the hush that went around Marathon Stadium whenever yeah. anything happened to Andrew Johns enough times. Yeah. I know that nothing good ever followed it. But you are absolutely right. that This is the... This is a very strange season because there's no front runner, and in the end, the, like, as, as we know, the Roosters come from fourth and end up winning the winning quite comfortably, um, yeah. despite not really having been considered fancied going in. And had it not been for Canterbury getting booted out, they wouldn't have even been a top four side. Uh, yeah. They a couple. <laughs> the Warriors beat Canberra thirty six twenty in a in the qualifying final. Um, mm. So you know none of the as I say none of the kind of keeping it tight and playing the defence. That match was played in front of a crowd of 25,800 at the former Ericsson mm. Stadium. Can I say the Warriors have never been as good again once they moved away from Ericsson Stadium? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you might. 129 tries for the Warriors in 2002, mm. but only two players reached double figures. <laughs> now, that's wonderful in and of itself, but I would mm. like you to have a crack, if you will, at who those two players were. One of them is reasonably obvious the other one, one of, not quite yeah. so much. one of them is going to be clinton torpy very good um and just i don't know who the other one is so i'm just gonna if it's sort of obvious i don't think it will be but i'm just gonna madly say it's francis melly on the same edge and have a punt no you've uh, not. you've gone, you've, gone far too, you've disappointed me yeah. with your conservatism there um yeah. And you're going to be very disappointed when I tell you that it's Ali Lawatiti. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so he's Clint- also on that edge. Yeah, well, true enough. Center and the left edge back rower. Clinton Torpy, yeah. 18, Ali Lawatiti, 10. Is there a bit of a sense that being around Ali Lawatiti in 2002 wasn't a bad place to be? Well, being around Ali Lawatiti now, then, and forever is a good place That's, to be. Yeah. And I invite him to come on the podcast at any <laughs> I consider an open invite to Ali Lawatiti yeah. to come on here at any moment to talk about any any of the matches of rugby league he ever played in or saw or wants to chat about. What a human. As soon as you said that, I just imagined a picture of Ali Lawatiti's basketball passing the Rugby League Cemetery logo. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but I went over it. <laughs> We could put that on T-shirts. Yeah, we could. He was yeah. such a good player. Oh my god! Absolutely adore him. Everything about how he played was was perfection in rugby league. He was absolutely barnstorming. Um, Why did he go to Super League so early? Like I know, we, I know. We only got a couple of years of this, and then it was all over. And it's like maybe like Viliama Kikau would be like this if he'd had two years like he had, and then just left. That's sort of what it was like. That's about yeah. Sort of, as far as like destructive, unpredictable edge, it would be like. If Kikau, mm. after the first couple of years, just just bailed and went and played in the Super League forever, and you know, yeah, but but is that fair? If he like that, but if Kikau also threw fifty to seventy but one-handed basketball passes, yeah. <laughs> um, often gridiron style, like throughout the season, so did all yeah. the other stuff, but also would just like go if my arms loose, I've got to throw it one-handed anywhere, like on the field that that yeah. looks vaguely open or unoccupied by someone. Yeah, um, yeah exactly yeah. right. Oh, God, Ali Lewatini makes built like a. 
Oh, oh. <laughs> I was watching him. I've gone, Jesus Christ, even by today's standard. Because the game, when you look at it, there's a lot more. Look, the further we go back, a lot more small white players are out there. Um, mm. Like even now, like your Nathan Cleary's are so much bigger than your halfbacks back then, for example. Like everyone's bigger and stronger. But Ali Latidi, like even then, like if he was to be just playing now, you'd go, oh, hang on. Look at that bloke out there. He, he by any standard, no matter how big the rest of the game's got, would be massive. Possibly without, possibly oh. without allowing for the passage of time. Like I think Ali Lewatini now, at what would he be? Maybe forty-five. Yeah. Um, would It'd still have an impact. I, w- I certainly wouldn't want him running at me. Um, no. I'll give you a little bit on Cronulla. Uh, mm. Cronulla fifth in two thousand and two. When you think about it, this was really their best chance in hindsight, wasn't it? Like you, you go back through and you yeah. think, well, this probably is the one they they might have won. Um, Fifteen wins, nine losses. They only scored thirty fewer points than. Uh, the Warriors, but they conceded 597. The, the Cronulla season of 2002 is completely mm. deranged. Get this. Mm. Four from five to start the season. So this yeah. is Chris Anderson's, just for context, this is Chris Anderson's first year. He's come to Cronulla. He's instituted flat attack. Um, <clears throat> resold mm. the Dalia medalist to bring Brett Kamali in at halfback. Very, uh, it's worth mentioning that because it's extremely controversial and people should remember yeah. that they, they resold the, um, you know, the fake Dalian medalist who got it because Andrew Johns was suspended <laughs> um, and, and you know, got rid of Campbell and brought, like, basically resold him out of the halves and brought in Brett Kamali with the coach. So the team that had been, you know, right up there the year before in a prelim has gone new coach, new halfback and totally gutted the system. Yeah, and, and that yeah, looked like it was going all right. When they, and when they win four from five to start the year, mm. that looks like it's going okay. They start the year with yep. Preston Campbell and Hooker and, of all people, Matthew Johns at 5'8". They bring Matthew Johns back from Wigan mm. for this season. So four from five to start of the year, you think, oh, you know, this is because it was, it was enormously controversial. It was, dare I yeah. say, a furor. Um, oh, the fans hated it. They, they really remember, turned yeah. on it. Preston's beloved at everywhere he ever mm. played. Like he's like getting, like it's like shooting Bambi to sort of like Dick Preston Campbell, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. It's, yeah. So then after four from five, they lose seven in a row mm. from round six to 12, including a 52-8 loss to Newcastle. 48-22 lost to Canterbury, 42-20 to the Warriors. And then, Gazzy, just when you yeah. thought it couldn't get much sillier, they win 11 in a row. So four from five. <laughs> 11 in a row. Four wins out of five, seven losses in a row, 11 wins in a row on the run-in. After round 12, they were 14th on the table. And by round 24, they're fourth. That is really... Just, I don't even know what to say to that. It's just stunningly unusual, isn't it? Just astonishing. Um, I yeah, I, I read it. I, I remember the season. I remember all the Preston Campbell stuff, and remember them making the the, the, the finals and losing to the Roosters in the first week and all that stuff. Mm. But I didn't realise that it came after <laughs> seven losses and then eleven wins to short right the ship. I can't I've remember got one for you like in that, that run. Can can I, can I give you one in that run? I I didn't realize they won that many. But can I? Do you want to hear a good one in the middle of that run? I suspect I know what it's going to be, but you go for it. Would it be the Northern Eagles? Is that the one you? Were? No, actually, you no, no, okay. you tell me. Well, they they went into half time, right? Yep. Down eighteen nil, and won the game forty six twenty four. I've always <laughs> thought we should. Co- I've always thought we should cover it. That's fantastic. Um, on here, I've heard Matthew Johns talk about it a few times because they were getting absolutely hassled off the fence. I think they even yeah. got down 24 nil later, wow. but they went in at halftime 18 nil and won the game 46 24. Well, which is an, like an absolute <laughs> rousing of a second half. And, um, and just to give you an idea, yeah, hmm. just to give you an idea what 2002 was like, 
you've just given some really important context about Canterbury and the Knights being the two sides. Mm. Canterbury beat everyone, win 17 in a row, look nailed on to win the comp, except they turn up at Newcastle one day and the Knights really come at them and lose by a point on the bell thanks to the El Masri conversion. That mm. same Newcastle side that were considered the only team possible uh, that were any chance of beating Canterbury and who, once Canterbury got kicked out, were the favourites to win the Premiership, lost 64-14 to Cronulla at Shark Park. <laughs> it's not that unusual un, uh, <laughs> for that side. And of course, do you remember that, that day? Yeah, I do. It was terrible. Yeah. It's, in fairness, and that when we, we all like to say that, of course, the Knights couldn't win once Andrew Johns went down in the finals. But this is, of course, the genesis of why they couldn't win because of the 50-point concession. Well, um, indeed. And the he Sharks, played so the and- Sharks, yeah. And he mm. played this day. He was in the. Yep. He was in this yep. team for the sixty four fourteen. I can remember. Yep. I have this funny thing to remember. I can remember him making this despairing attempt to bat a ball dead in the corner when it was really fraying, and just having a complete air swing. And I think Paul Mellor or someone falling on the ball. Paul Mellor also um, palmed him off and just threw him into mm. outer space. It was incredible. Um, yeah, forty two nil at half time. Yeah, yeah, that's that'd be right. Forty-two nil. It yeah. was at halftime. How many games have you been to when half, like when they beat the clock for the first, in the first half? It's incredibly, yeah. It, I'd rather if we could move on and talk about the rest Sorry. of the season. Sorry, it's just an idea of what the year was like. Um, mm. The now a couple more things. Just the last thing is that they lost to the Roosters thirty to eighteen in round six, in round twenty-six, mm. and then lost to them again in the qualifying final thirty-two twenty, and they beat the Dragons forty to twenty-four in the semi-final to set up this match. Now, if you are Cronulla going into this game, Canterbury are out, mm. the Knights are crocked, and you've got the Warriors in the preliminary final, who were obviously mm. a good side, and were obviously, but, but were a bit loose and all that. This is such a good opportunity for, for Cronulla, keeping in mind that from 95, they've gone fourth out in the semis, fifth out in the prelim, Super League grand final, 11th in 98, prelim in 99, Eighth in two thousand prelim in oh one. Mm. Um, it, it's this is this is your this is your chance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, just quickly on one more thing about the season, they also lost to Newcastle fifty two eight. We just want yes. to point out if you want to go on results, that's um. So they did win that contest. If we go, you know, in soccer, they talk about winning on sort of away goals and stuff. Aggregate, and on aggregate yeah. of that season, they've they've lost fifty two eight and won the aggregate over the years. <laughs> um, but look, you're exactly. <laughs> Exactly right. This was a very good chance for them. Um, I, I would suggest, like, honestly, as much as this one probably hurt, I, I think 99, I think they should have won that. Yeah. Um, in the the prelim, I think that was the surprise result that the Dragons got them. And I, they probably, you know, would have, if they had made that grand final, they would have been expected to win it. I think it would be fair to say. Yeah. So that's probably the one that stands out. But this one's probably second. The year before, they lost a very tight, good, prelim to Newcastle and you suspect that if they had gone into that grand final against Parramatta it would have been as massive underdogs um, anyway yeah. uh, the, the Parramatta were a juggernaut but this one yeah this was a real missed chance this is one where I wouldn't say oh the Sharks are huge favourites and they're nailed on to be in the grand final but what it is is an open comp where they should have fancied themselves against any team they played yeah. um, and you would genuinely over the course of history favour yourself against New Zealand that they're a side that didn't have a lot of finals experience um, or a lot of sort of experience under this sort of pressure, you would have thought they could get up. And that was very much the talk during the game, and whether that's because of how the season went or whether it was honestly, I felt there was actually a bit of, I think there was a bit of Sydney snobbery going on in the oh, commentary. I, I'm I so think glad you was, said this. It was pretty, I, I think it was, uh, I thought it was shit. 
Um, so so I, do I. I, I no. like the team. It, it, there's this constant talk that Cronulla were going to come over them. And I'll talk about particularly about rolling them late later because it was a weird narrative we can discuss. But the actual narrative of they're just going to run over them later. Oh, Cronulla are the fav- big favourites for this. It'll be shock of the Warriors win and this and that. I was just sitting there going, they're playing the minor premiers in this game. Yeah. And, and, and even behind at half time, they go in talking about how Cronulla are rusted on to win this game the whole time. And I'm not having to go at Cronulla. I think it was just this real sense that much like when the Cowboys beat the Bulldogs in a final that we did, that they were just expected to be these out-of-town nuffies who weren't really part of it. And that the Sydney side was just going to run home over them over the basis of having played in the competition for longer and having a, a rich so, history and all this stuff. It was, it was I'm shit. so, so <laughs> glad you said this because I was sitting there, commentary. I was throwing things at the t- Because all through the game, as you say, and I would, mm. was going to come to this later on, that yeah. they just keep saying there's, there's a couple of narratives that they run from the start. Mm. One of them, yeah. which I think is very dicey, is mm. they keep running this thing about the Warriors aren't going to be fit enough to see this out. Yeah. They're going to yeah. get tight. One, now, a couple of things about that. One, it was 16 degrees. Two, yeah. they have the better of the back end of both halves. They can't, like, we'll get into the actual substance of the game, but mm. they go better in the second part of the first half and they win the game with five to go, um, going a long way, like having to go the length of the field. Um, so that's the first thing. There is another thing that they, they just keep saying, they keep attacking the Warriors for making bad decisions and throwing bad passes. When the game is headless and Cronulla are doing some of these things just as bad, some of them mm. worse. Some of the things that Cronulla do in this game are completely insane. But when the Warriors do it, it is just more evidence that they're not up to this, that their, their style of game can't stand up to the finals, can't stand up to our Sydney Premiership. Uh, and you're mm. absolutely right. It, it was really, I, I thought it was really poor from all of them um, yeah. and, and really loaded with um, some pretty, uh, you know, uh, some, some pretty dicey, assumptions and kind of stereotypes and all that stuff. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to cancel anyone. Don't get me wrong. Like I, but it had a really sneering undertone to me, which was, 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 rightly point out, they're the, they, they were the minor premiers. Yeah. Like they're really good. And, they're a good team. They won 17, 17 games. And but they just kept saying they had no conditioning and this lack of matches. And I was like, they mm. came first in the competition and in the preliminary final, like mm. they must've played someone at some point. Like, like yeah. and if they if they got here without all these players playing, then the ones that had played must have been all right because they, do you know what I mean? Like if they're, they're yeah. saying a few were short of match fitness or short of a gallop and stuff, you're like, well, the ones that had been carrying them through the season of the prelim must be okay because they've won 17 games and have won through. And it was it was it was really I just felt like they were completely writing them off as a factor, uh, probably because in a lot of ways I've always thought that Rabs struggled in that era. I don't, I think Rab's a fantastic commentator, but I don't think he watched games that were on Fox, um, yeah. if I can put it that way. So I think that when we got teams that were never on TV, I don't think he knew much about them. And he was like, oh, yeah, this team, you know, they're, they're great. They've had a great season. But it was like, oh, yeah, they're full of these guys that aren't, you know, I don't, I don't watch them. I don't know that much about them because that's the way I saw it. It was this real undercurrent that they were just always going to get run down and beaten. And it was like, they didn't come eighth. So they came first. Yeah. In the competition, and and they like you said, they'd beaten Cronulla once out of their you know two times, and they'd beaten obviously beaten a lot of teams that year. So, and I mean, they're never behind in the game. No, no, they're never <laughs> behind in the point. game. They're, they're never, never they, behind. In this there game. are times when <clears throat> yeah. there are times where Cronulla looked like they might run over them, but you yeah. know, they when they first come out, Rab says the Warriors have start start the game despised outsiders, um, 
and and as it goes on at half time, they come back from half time, and Rab says, "Oh, I've just had the two the two blokes up here in the in the in the commentary box telling me the Sharks are nailed on to win in the second half. They're going to blow it. They're going to run them off the park, and all this stuff all the way through the game. They're just waiting to be proved right that the Warriors can't can't stick it. Um, and yeah, I was so having. Obviously, I knew that they won, but when they scored with five minutes to go to win, I was I was off my head. I was on my feet, just going, "Stick that up here." How's their conditioning yeah. now? You know, like um, yeah, it really it, it was. It was really really poor. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, and it's, like I said, it's not cancel anyone. There were just it wasn't. I just thought it was really one sided, and I don't. I'm not someone who watches the games and think they're like. I don't think. Oh, ah, it's still um, Parramatta or any of that. I don't, no. don't feel. I think they're all pretty fair. I just think they misread this one pretty badly. Um, yeah. And the narrative was a bit, bit off. But um, yeah, did you have anything else on Cronulla? Or I've got some thoughts on the game. If you want no, to no, in. you had a couple of things I think that you wanted to. Uh, yeah, that you wanted to ventilate. I do, I do. Yeah, there's a few things about this because I was just so excited. I just really enjoyed it. Um, the first one we really covered, so I'll do it really quickly. Was just that, the, that there was the chat about New Zealand's conditioning and lack of matches, and everyone's sure they're going to die late. The only thing I was going to add to what we really talked about was just that. Um, I'd, I'd love to have a dig into who'd actually been out or injured because they seem to really think a few of them were short of a game. And I was like, how many of them couldn't have been playing? Because they're in the prelim final. Like, surely most of their good players had to have been on the field. I think they said Ali Latidi had missed some games. Mm. But, yeah, I was just wondering and looking through their results, maybe when you said they lost a couple late in the year, I wonder if, wonder if maybe they did have a couple of guys out and limped in a bit. Um, but they'd obviously got through the finals with them. But, yeah, it was just I was wondering – whether there's some context we'd missed on on who'd been out or whether they'd had to do be a bit undermanned to get through or, you know, the, the benefit of being minor premiership in those days, of course, is it wasn't the top four playing each other. You played the bottom half of the eight. So maybe they were a couple short and were able to, you know, first V8, you could probably, guys used to get rested sometimes. That's how lopsided that game was. So mm. um, maybe that's the case. But um, moving on. On a much more positive note, I I firstly just wanted to laud New Zealand's absolutely insane commitment to (laughs) long sequences of passing um, and promotion of the ball under all circumstances. Now, I don't know how much more I can talk this up. This is the best team of all time at pass of long passing sequences. There are over 10 examples in this game of where they pass the ball more than 10 times. Mm-hmm. And there is so many bizarre sequences that would be the best in any other game that we're not going to be able to stop at all of them as this game goes on to describe them because the podcast will go for six hours <laughs> and only, you know, you, I, and, and our, our favorite listener, Peter, will be up for listening <laughs> to us that long to talk about it. But um, it's, it's just, I think, there is, I, I think I've got about 15 passes were, were passed about seven or eight times. And the rule that I've identified that essentially underpins all of this is that as far as I can tell, the rule that the 2002 Warriors put in place was that if you can pass the ball, you are obligated to pass the ball. Mm. So you're in the tackle or in any contact, you're obligated to fight. And if your arm gets <laughs> loose, you're just obligated to pass it. Nobody held one back. No matter what situation was, if you get an arm loose, you have to pass it. And if there's, you're surrounded by defenders, you have to lob it over the defenders or under the defenders or behind the defenders. Sometimes they're in contact and they can't pass, so they back out of the contact, go backwards, and then throw passes. They're just, if you can pass, you must pass. And they are so magnificent. They make the 2005 Tigers look quite conservative. 
if you go and watch them play, you'll go, oh, yeah, they're having a few settlers here, the Tigers, compared to yeah, this. Because yeah. they're just – it's everyone. It, it's not like Benji Marshall and Robbie Farah and a couple of passing forwards. The, it, it's not like Stacey Jones is mad. The whole team is mad and yeah. all of them are doing it. Like everyone just in this no, team. There's no discretion. They just – yeah, no. you're right. It's just if it's if there's any hint that it's on or that there's a bit of space that you can hoik it to someone, just, just yeah. throw it. We'll work it out. Yeah. It, yeah it's, and, um, and, it's incredible. And, and they the had situation. The, and that they doesn't had the, change. No, no, no. That's right. And and they had the game. You know, like they they were able to do it. They they, they had this one yeah. those wonderful skillful players who were able to just keep the ball moving. And some of the you know some of the the, the oh. ball skills in this game are just obscene. I mean, they, oh, they they are. And and it doesn't matter whether they were in front, whether they the game got close. It didn't change when it was late. It didn't change when they were up by six with a couple of minutes ago. They just kept doing it. Yeah. Like the, commitment to the cause was so admirable <laughs> and, and, and it's just wonderful um two other things quickly firstly uh i am contractually um obligated to note that there are crushes on both teams in this game in the form of mark tukey and chris mckenna ah yeah um, very good. So, really really yeah, good yeah yeah and it's as you know that once that does happen in the game i you know it's a part of my contract and large fat bonuses are brought in for me to bring that up on the podcast <laughs> um it's very good to see crushes in a prelim particularly on opposing sides. And, Quite a uh, long time after the crushes were in the premiership yeah. too. Like this is 2002. Yeah. This is five years yep. PC, as I like to call it. Well, um, it just makes you wonder. If, yeah. If they've no, hung no, around, could Mc, could McKenna and, and Tukey have led a crushes sort of prelim in around this era? Well, you do have to uh, wonder, don't answer, you? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Wasn't it good to see Tukey again? Goodness me. He's just oh, – I've never seen yeah. anyone with his body shape play rugby league at, at professional level. It's just unbelievable. No, he's just massive, and, and every time he gets in, I, I forgot that every time he gets in the contact, the whole crowd used to go, "Hoo!" Like that, yeah, when yeah. They, when That's thrilling. Oh, he makes fantastic. He, yeah. he makes he, he makes Glenn Lazarus look like Kate Moss. Yeah, <laughs> like just, yeah, it's a huge call. He's a big he's man. Just, oh, he's fantastic. So, by which I mean, he is just so broad. It's unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. There's yeah, a sequence like, in that you, game. Let me tell you something. It's like Malcolm Turnbull never had him over for dinner because oh. he wouldn't. <laughs> He wouldn't have copped any of that rubbish. No, no. He there's a sequence in this game where he takes a hit up. They get a penalty. They kick it to touch, and he takes the next hit up off the touch. Oh, and yeah. I was just getting off my head because I'm just like, you don't want to give another penalty here. You're going to get three straight Tuki hit ups at this rate. This is getting, yeah, yeah. and you'll need a spell. Like you've also got him <laughs> off the field in one set. But um, I'm so glad no, he played in the grand final. Oh, like it is so. Yeah. There's some justice in the fact that he got to, you know, I, he was he was wonderful. He was one of those guys that, it, as a, if you if you were watching the game and not your team wasn't playing, and you, mm. you, it was one of the things you could get really invested in. Like every time they give it to Tuki, yep. it was so thrilling as a kid, you know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. Um, and just lastly, I, I think I really enjoyed. Noddy, uh, Brett Kamali versus Stacey Jones in this game. And I thought uh, I'll get to them as the game goes on because they have, they both leave, very much leave their mark. But um, I think it's, it was quite special because I think it's one of the first games. That we've done a lot of very good games here, but this is one of the first we've done with two real all-time like Hall of Fame number seven sort of in their peak going at it. Yeah, um, we haven't done like a, a Langer and Stewart game or, a, or you know, a John's Kamali. We haven't actually done many games where like a peak era Two real like because they're they're a Hall of Fame level play. They're fantastic footballers, and mm. they're both very very good here. And they're both probably the best two players on the field to in that yeah. Game. And, and, and what you said, it is a, at it. yeah, yeah, it is a real showdown between the two of them because mm. they 
are involved in more or less everything good that their teams do, and they're the best two players on the field, and they yeah. It, it, the game eventually turns on one of them finding a bit, one last thing at the end, you know, finding a play in the last yep. 10 minutes to get them home. There's there's a point, and we'll come to it, where it looks like Kamali is going to win them the game on his own. And, yep. and some of the things, he has a 10-minute spell, which is oh, just, yeah. as good, yeah. it's just as good as you can play as a halfback, the amount of things he does. We'll get to it when we get there. But mm. um, he, he, was, um, he was tremendous. I don't remember him being, you know, I obviously watched him as a kid through the rather tinted glasses of <laughs> sort of the Andrew Johns's number one fan, and so kind of mm. ah, the Kamali and is overrated. What's he doing in the team? You know, blah blah blah. But mm. um, I, and I, and so I sort of it, my memory doesn't allow me to kind of admit that he had these gears, but the way he yeah. takes hold of the game with about half an hour to go in a preliminary final, sensational. Yeah, yeah, um, they, they were just we, we haven't had many games like this where two, the two halfbacks are proper Hall of Famers and played that like they just took they it was a ding dong and I'm, I hope it, it certainly encouraged me that we should find a few more because I'm sure there's plenty out mm. there well, um, and like it was right? yeah it, yeah that's the most important position on the it's football's changed a long time a, a lot over the years but halfback has been the most important position for a very long time and still is and um you know to see two real greats of it take the game on like that was was thrilling and it was a, a feature of that era that there were these it it, it from those the start of the NRL era through to, you know, a little bit later, we did have these sorts of things. There were really matchups, like you got Kamali v. Johns and Jones v. Johns, and we got Jones v. Kamali here, and you used to get Fittler versus Daly, and then, you know, like Lockyer mm. and Johns when he was at five. You, you got these battles that people really focused on, and they seemed to really um, – those games – these days, the better team tends to win. In those days, there was a lot more even teams where you'd get, they seem to take it really personally. And these two great players would really sort of trade blows in those halves. And this really, but this was a real classic of that where you go, they're just going back and forth between the two best players on the field and they're going to decide this game. And if one of them didn't play, the other team would have won by 20 points. You know, yeah. like either way, whichever of them didn't play, the other team, Noddy would have blasted them without Stacey Jones and, and the Warriors, you know, would have belted Cronulla if, if Kamali was out. That's that's yeah. how big of a difference they were making. Well, and I'll say this as well, and feel free to disagree, but I, I think that, and I've made this point about other halfbacks in the past, but I, I think that these two, if either of them played today, would be the best halfback in the comp. There's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's, nobody, there's nobody in the NRL now yeah. who's as good as either of these in this yeah. in this form. You know, no, probably not. Nathan Clear is putting together a pretty good resume, but um, yeah. you know, he's in the. It's a bit hard to judge a guy when he's young. He, he's very good, but the gap. Even if you wanted to argue that, once you take Cleary out and oh, you yeah. can have your opinion on him, the gap under him is absolutely massive. You've got a very old Cherry Evans who slowed down a lot, and you've got guys like Mitch Moses and stuff being paid. Like that's genuinely Jerome Hughes's. There's, there's Cleary. You can have your opinion either way on, but we're in the mid part of what looks to be a very good career and under him there's not much at all and back these guys would have stepped in and they're playing in that era where they've got Craig Gow running around Andrew John's running around Brent Sherwin's running around young Thurston's about to come through like the, you... the, the amount of good players at that time is insane in the halves seriously awesome level. Yeah. Did, you, did you throw yeah. in the did you throw in the Sherwin reference just for me because you knew that I would is that what you, you... yeah you would because if I didn't you would have just ended up saying it so I would have been on so you much of... what about Brent yeah, Sherwin that's right. yeah the only yeah. other Brent Sherwin the only other half in that era to do the 20 dropout for touch. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I just want that noted. The only other person who used to do it other than Andrew Johns. Um, mm. Anyway, should we get into the, should we get into the game a little bit? Um, I, I, might, so. I might run you through the teams quickly. 
um, because that's important. Uh, the Warriors, fullback Ivan Cleary, wings Justin Murphy and Francis Melly, the centres John Carlo and Clinton Torpy. Uh, the 5'8", late inclusion in the 21, Motu Tony, the halfback and captain, uh, the King, Stacey Jones, more on him later. Uh, the front rowers, Jerry Cuciu and Mark Tukey. Uh, as as the young people on the internet say these days, name a more iconic duo. Uh, PJ Marsh <laughs> at hooker, second row, Ali Lauatiti and Arwen Guttenbill. Arwen Guttenbill, I've got to say, still looks as hard and intimidating now in the Warriors coaches box uh, as he did in 2002. Uh, and much like uh, Ali Lauatiti, I still wouldn't run at him. Lock Kevin Campion uh, and a bench of Lance Hohaya in the six, but on the bench, Wairangi Korpu, Logan Swan, uh, and Richard Villasanti, who is one week short of his uh, uh, his his most famous moment, the most possibly the most famous moment of his career. Uh, Daniel Anderson, the coach. Daniel Anderson, really, with the distinction of coaching two of the most entertaining and exciting teams uh, of the last twenty years. When you think about it, I mean, he had this Warriors side, and then the Parramatta of two thousand and nine. Uh, the Cronulla team, interesting looking Cronulla side actually, because they started the season with. Matthew Johns at 5'8", and Preston Campbell at hooker. And by the end of the season, neither of them are there anymore. Fullback David Peachy is captain. Wings Matthew Reek and Paul Mellor. Centres Crusher Chris McKenna and Paul Fronze. God, it was good to see Paul Fronze again. I've yeah, always say. is, yeah. Always. 5'8", a very young, I think, 18-year-old Greg Bird. Halfback Brett Kamali. Mm. Front row. This is just such a classic Cronulla early 2000s forward pack. I was mad for it. Jason Stevens and Danny Nutley in the front row. Dean Love Tre- the nut. Yeah. Dean Treister at hooker. There's a, you can tell people who loved rugby league who are our age if they remembered Dean Treister and have, Treister. Good, yeah. have good things to say about him. Well, if that, well, well yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you something quickly on him. If you remember Dean Treister is one thing, but if he remembers this game, I'm a very bad judge. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> That's probably right. Uh, yeah. Someone who looks into- so out of place in this game is in the second row, 15, Paul Gallon. Uh, just it's it, mad. It's just it's, it's so, easy to forget how long he how how yeah. how, how long he played. You know, um, mm. it, it, it's it's quite stunning um, to think that he played in this game in two thousand and two with kind of David Peachy and Ivan Cleary, uh, and ended up playing it's Nathan Cleary um, yeah. amongst others. <laughs> um, yeah. Twenty nearly twenty years later. Second it's row, it's, it's yeah, sorry, insane yeah. that he's. It's just insane that he's in that game. I, I kept looking at it and going, "He only just retired." But yeah. he was there for so. It's a real blend of errors because they got Peachy and and that, and then you got Noddy who had a middling sort of run there in the middle of his career. Then you got like Bird and Gallon who we sort of associate as being later, and yeah. it, it, but they have still got like Bickerstaff going around and McKenna. It's a real mix. It's a very strange. I, I can't place which error it sort of belongs to in a lot of ways. No, that's that's absolutely right. The other second row, of course, is Phil Bailey, um, Blue Bolter. Yeah. Um, the lock, he the lock is a player who I always thought was really good <laughs> as a kid. I don't know why. I was just a, I was just big overs on Nick Graham. Me too. Uh, yeah, I yeah, liked I, Nick I really liked, I, I liked, him. liked him a lot. Yeah. Lock who passed a bit. I had a real soft mm. spot for passing locks. I still do. Mm. Um, and yeah, he was a wonderful player. The bench, Matt Bickerstaff. Do you do you remember? I'm going to go extremely deep cut here. It's one of the great pieces of commentary. Matt Bickerstaff ended up playing, as you will know, for St. George Illawarra. And once, around kind of late March, early, it must have been late March, went over for a try in a Super Saturday game of very little importance, came up with this huge, like, uh, egg on his head. 
like massive, like really like this huge growth on his head from someone hitting him late. And Warren Smith on Fox <laughs> said in his Warren Smithy way, Matt Bickerstaff, he's got an early Easter egg. <laughs> Which <laughs> as soon as I saw Matt Bickerstaff, I thought of that. Make of that what you will. Um, I seem to be very confused between him and Sam Eismonger because they, oh, they both had they both had both had like long um, names that don't sound like other rugby league names, and then like both went to Cronulla after playing for St George. After playing for uh, both went to St George after playing for Cronulla, and I used to like for no reason, and they're nothing alike, and I accept they're different people. It used to confuse me a lot as a child. Yeah, you've remind yeah. you've yeah you've um I'm glad that you've brought that up because I had the exact same problem rather troublingly. Mm. I also used to get Craig Stapleton and Chris Lightfold confused as well. Well, uh, yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> How many Staplesons does it take to screw in a light bulb? Some would say. Well, goodness me. Oh, if anyone's still listening to this at this point, I would be amazed. Uh, the, the rest of the bench <laughs> for Cronulla, uh, Dean Bozza Bosnich, Carl Lovell, and uh, Andrew Pierce. He's a great battling Cronulla kind of. Uh, he was, yeah. Great stalwart, Andrew Pierce, wasn't he? He's in the 23 in this game. It's pretty late on in his career. Uh, Chris Anderson, mm. as we mentioned, the coach. We'll get into the game. Uh, it begins, You sometimes in football, you know that you're on for a special day early on, even mm. if it's something innocuous happens. That's not actually anything to do with the substantive football. This is such an occasion because after a couple of minutes, Stacey Jones complains that the ball is flat. Oh, <laughs> oh, I knew we were on the flight gate, the original. Yeah, boy. Don't worry about flat attack. We've got flat footballs. It's the definition of flat oh. attack. I couldn't no? believe it. He, he goes for the kick for touch and complains about the flat ball. Uh-huh. Um, gets The referee approves the swapping of the ball, boots it out. They then get a penalty not long after and someone throws him back the flat ball. The flat ball. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and Ivan Cleary is like, I'm not kicking with that. Sends it, so it must have been quite notably flat because mm. Ivan, separately to Stacey, has noticed that the ball's flat. So this is two two senior players have separately identified how flat this ball was and had to get it sent back off a second time. And Tim Manders out there going, "Has anyone got a pump?" <laughs> in Fantastic. the preliminary final of a this professional sporting contest in two thousand and two. <laughs> like, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. This is there's a lot of money in rugby league by this point, you it's, know. It, it, it is. We just sometimes get great moments. It's like you remember the the like the chat about um greasing the ball, of course, when Mal Meninga accused the Poms of the sort of yes. um greasing the ball up at half time in the uh, in the test match we watched the famous test match in about and the ref they made the ref check it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they made him check for the grease ball and everything. And then this is in that, like, this is right up there with that, like the sort of mid game complaints about a flat <laughs> rugby league ball. I just, when something like that, if you're watching, if I'm at home watching any game and something weird like that happens, like deflated ball or referee falls over or something like that, early doors, you just, there is just a sense, hang on, I don't know, I wasn't, even if I wasn't planning on watching all this, I've got to just dig in here because sometimes, sometimes rugby league, yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes rugby league just just makes a tiny tear in the kind of space-time continuum and for just... 80 minutes, fun. Like there are just games where anything happens. I, the most recent one in my memory is that unhinged match in Melbourne a few years ago where Melbourne played Manly and there were all those wild brawls and like yep. dodgy, yep. like people running into advertising hoardings, mad, um, yeah, 
no try decisions. putting the ball down and stuff. Yeah, and, all yeah, that stuff. Like yeah. it just... And they had all these guys out manly and somehow won this game like with all these people in the bin and like, it was mental, yeah. Front row was kicking yeah. field. It, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it just happens. Mm. Um, Once you get and, one, it can snowball. It can just keep going. Yeah, even mm. though the, the, the events are seemingly unrelated. Um, yeah, that's, that's rugby league physics for you. Um, thank you very much, Niels Bohr. Uh, now, the... Actual start to the game, the, the Warriors get a penalty from 35 out after an offside. Um, Tukey passes the ball completely to fresh air, but the Sharks knock it on, um, which leads to the penalty. And uh, Cleary misses from 35 out in front. Then after six minutes, the Warriors completely butcher a try. Um, after a half break by who else? Stacey Jones. They go wide and John Carlaw, can I suggest journeyman John Carlaw, uh, mm. has his winger unmarked and decides to kick and the ball goes out. Uh, <laughs> Stacey, even after 12, uh, even after 10 minutes, is just in everything. The Warriors are looking to move the ball mm. and he is just everywhere. He's getting so many touches. He's making half breaks. He's running the ball. Um, he's had five runs in that, in that time that I counted. Um, I don't think that most halfbacks run the ball five games, five times in a game now. Um, and get tackled with it. Uh, he he's one of the best running halfbacks ever. Seriously, I mean, arguably the like if you just had to run, you'd almost just pick him, right? Like that's how good he is. You go if you, if all your halfback had to do was run, you just go. Well, I can't improve on this. He's absolutely mm. phenomenal. So his running game is unbelievable. Um, and they're really go, they're really on top early. They look they they sort of needed some points here because if you look, yeah. you sort of thought it would turn at some point and they'd been right on top of the game and, and really come out very hard. Um, the only thing I wanted to mention from those sort of opening sequences was just how early Kevin Campion starts implementing delay tactics. Oh, that's um, the next note I have. Yeah. 12th minute. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So from <laughs> about the 10th to 12th minute on when this continues throughout the game, Kevin Campion in an effort to slow down the game, which by the way, that message has not got through to how his team is playing because every time they have the ball, all they do is try and speed the game up by like throwing 30 to 40 passes and sprinting sideways and stuff. But when there's an actual break in play, Kevin Campion, like they get the penalty and Kevin Campion throws the ball behind him as hard as they can, as far as he can go, and then keeps looking around like he can't find it to delay and give them a rest before they go on the attack. And this continues. He does it all game. Anytime he gets anywhere near the ball on a break, he throws the ball backwards and delays and causes these breaks in play, despite the Warriors then trying to completely exhaust their opposition with like high octane football. Now, I don't know if he was just personally tired because he's getting on in his career at this point. So good. Um, Some of them, the first one that I noticed. Yeah. The first one I noticed was off their penalty. The Warriors got a penalty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, He throws the ball away. (laughs) Which, like, can you be penalized for that? Well, I don't know. I had that thought because it's certainly. If it had been a Cronulla penalty yeah. and he'd thrown the ball away, it would have been a penalty, no question yep. at all, right? Yep. Like it's nailed on. You see him all the time. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, it, was, it was fantastic, the time-wasting tactics. <laughs> the, shortly after that, so the Warriors get that penalty, get down there, mm. and there is an intercept when the Warriors really are on again. They look like they're going to score. Um, and it is intercepted by David Peachy, King. who, oh, it takes off up the field with that mm. gorgeous loping running style that nobody has ever imitated. I've never seen anyone no. else run like that. Um, the way he kind of cuts across the ground, he, he almost he, he almost swerves the way, like 
up the field. He's gliding. He just glides. That's amazing. It's a good intercept too. It's one of those ones where it's just his beautiful anticipation and everything he was that they're running an attack play and he just picks who's going to get it and takes the odds and slides in. There's so many people that would try and find a way to cover a few people and stop a try. And he just goes, I reckon he's passing to that guy and just lunges through. He just, he was a risk taker. Like his whole yeah, career yeah, yeah. Was, was, and we'll see that sort of very late in the game again, but he, he's a risk taker and he just takes the odds that he's going to pass this. And the Warriors will score if they don't pass it because the fullback's launching up. like <laughs> trying to take an intercept, but yeah. they do and he's off. And, you know, and that's how he played the game. And it was fantastic. They, they run him down eventually. I think he goes nearly, nearly goes coast to coast. This is well, all he gets, line. he gets yeah. run down. Um, extraordinary, extraordinarily quickly, really, because he gets a head start on them. But Justin Murphy on that start, win, yeah. and he is so yeah. quick. He tears across the ground and hauls him down about twenty out. Um, so quick, it was amazing. I, I don't have uh, hugely detailed memories of Justin Murphy. I, I logged on to watch this game, fully expecting to see Henry Farfelli on that wing, um, mm. but he was so brisk. And from that, Cronulla gets six again. They look likely. Um, and Mellor it is, Paul Mellor goes down the blind side when, when it appears to be on and drops the ball uh, and the Warriors escape. But as you say, they, the Warriors were, all, were on top in the first 20 minutes and had had a couple of real chances, looked like they were nailed on to score, hadn't. Um, and, you know, in finals games, when that happens, it tends to bode ill for a team if they then, yep. um, you know, have the team going up the other end. Uh, there is <laughs> just before we get to the first try of the game, which is a work of art. I just want to shortly after the Mellor incident, uh, Justin Murphy fields a kick in goal and dives back into the field of play mm. in the way that everybody I, does now. And I'm I think you know you what's coming. It. Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. I'm not letting this mm. go. Sturlow demands the voluntary tackle. Yeah, uh, I live for this. There is nothing better. If you want to know whether the person in the crowd is a proper rugby league fan, or yeah, not, yeah. you just need to wait to see whether when someone submits, um, whether they start bellowing out that it's voluntary. Because anyone worth their salt will do it. Anyone over the age of about 50 will always do it. And they it. feel people that old. What a reflex. Wrong. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're over 50, you feel personally wronged and slighted by seeing someone take the tackle, don't you? Yep, that's, yeah. that's a voluntary tackle. It hasn't been policed for by... so long. It's one of two rules, and I, I, I yeah. it's one of two rules that never get awarded that people of a certain generation in particular are still calling for. Yeah. The other one, of course, being the deliberate forward pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. always that's almost that should be a voluntary tackle, and oh, that forward punt that's almost deliberate, and it's always followed by oh, they never get called anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so good when yeah. I heard this because I think oh, I now, loved it too. Yeah, but you say I, I think now twenty years on the the dive, particularly into the in goal, is a pretty entrenched part of the game, and most people have moved on from the voluntary tackle call. But this was when it was first coming in, and people were like livid. And Sterlow is keeping the faith by demanding voluntary yeah. tackle, and I just it, it was a it, good blend error um, in the middle there where they weren't calling him anymore, and players in outrage presumably sort of you know backing the fans would then not put their hands on people and stand yeah. like this with their hands up demanding they call it going like that and then you get the guy on the ground realize no one to touch him and start crawling there was a good five years of that yeah before they realized that's oh, not going to get called anyway we may as well tackle him and and 
you know, get a slow play the ball. But there was a really good the sort of crossover where the guy would dive and the players would just stand there, hands up, look at the ref and go, I'm not touching him. Call it, call it. Um, and they still wouldn't. Uh, which, you yeah. know, if we were running, if you were running for rugby league, there's such a thing as rugby league sort of parliament. Um, yeah. so, you know, we're, you're running for government, but it was rugby league government and you wanted to get in on sort of the big populist vote. Oh, you yeah. just get in and go, I'm bringing back the voluntary tackle. That's my campaign platform. You get 70, 70, 80% of the, of the vote, just romp in and all the uh, swing seats. Oh, yeah. No, that's if, if you wanted to run a really like, yeah, a really populist campaign, um, yeah. revving up. Yeah, that, that that's yeah, the base. Yeah, yeah, the base. Oh yeah, voluntary yeah. tackles, bring back deliberate forward passes, and get rid of you know, and get rid of the obstruction rule, and you're on your way. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the first try of the game, as much as there is to talk about in this game, there's only five tries. The first one is just so funny. Paul Mellor <laughs> at this point <laughs> has gone down the blind and knocked the ball on when they looked like they were going to score, and then mm. it, I'm going to try and describe it. And you will have to help me out if I don't quite get it right. The Paul Miller has the ball on the right on the on the near touch line mm-hmm. and is like down the blind side. He carts the ball up, he gets he's, he's a few meters in and gets driven towards the touch line a bit, but is still fighting in the tackle and kind of trying to get his arm free. Eventually tries to pass and kind of bobbles the ball back. And for some reason. It goes straight into the hands of one of the people trying to tackle him, which is Motu Tony, who mm. just ends up with the ball with no one in front of him and runs 20 metres and scores. Have I left anything out there? No, he's untouched. So, but, yeah, basically, he's, just, he's wrestling in the tackle. He thinks he might go out, so he just passes it and it just lands in Motu Tony's hands. He's not really trying to catch it, but just has it presented to him because he's in the tackle um, and there's no one in front of him. He just goes 20 metres and scores. It was... Um, through a poor carriage moment because like they I really thought Cronulla had started to come good. I thought the Warriors put it on them hard and they just started to look ropey. Like the last yeah. five minutes they'd frayed a bit and done some weird stuff and Cronulla started putting the heat on them and we're getting just starting to get the better of the game at nil all, you know, they were sort of having their time and he's got this try out of absolutely like completely nowhere. Nothing. It's one of Not those like, Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, they didn't it's do part of the game where it. famously <laughs> nothing happens. When yeah. they're rucking it out, and you've got yeah, yardage out of trouble, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. and uh, so he scores. Modu Tony, yeah. uh, beautiful sight in in full flight. Uh, Cleary puts the goal over from the sideline, and it's and it's six nil to the Warriors. What follows mm. from here? Uh, a couple of moments of absolute madness. That uh, just just quickly, yes. Uh, before, if I can interrupt you, uh, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I think you'll want me to. Yeah. Um, after at the six nil mark from that kickoff, which I think you're now skipping past, it's just important we note it. Rabs for the first time greets the New Zealand audience. Oh, does he? Yeah, no, I yeah, okay. yeah, and not for the last Thank time you. does he. I will let you know when he greets another audience later. But at this point, having not yeah. done so at the start, he does take the time to greet our New Zealand audience. I've got a feeling I've game. got a note it's very here important about, to that. Note about greeting an audience later on. Yeah, but I, yeah, maybe there I is. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does. No, no, he does later. But there's a yeah. He at this point, and exactly then at six nearly takes the time to say hello <laughs> to our Warriors viewers who have presumably tuned in, given their team is in their first prelim. I would have loved to have heard a. I would have loved to have heard a tuning in across the ditch, but unfortunately, it, it didn't quite. Uh, no, it didn't, it didn't quite yeah. go that far. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. No, that's. I'm glad you brought it up. You know, it is a. It's a fascination of both of ours. Nothing will ever. Nothing will ever top the Japanese viewers in the '99, <laughs> in the '99 Grand Final. Um, the letter from the, the correspondence from the viewers in Japan. Um, 
if you haven't, if you're not familiar, if you don't know what we're talking about, you need to go back and listen to our episode on the 99 grand final. Uh, it's it's stunning. Um, 26th minute, and I've just got written in capital letters. What? Stacey <laughs> Jones grubber. <laughs> Sorry. Stacey Jones grubbers into the in goal. Brett Kamali goes back to retrieve it. <laughs> pinned in goal. And he passes it to Matthew Reek. And <laughs> like surrounded by Warriors players, forces the pass to Matthew Reek. And Justin Murphy bats it down and knocks it dead, thereby giving mm. Cronulla a 20 metre tap. Yeah, I know. And and Brett Kamali passes it like Morgan, like whoever bats it is like a meter from him. It's a really short ball. He's right. Yeah. It's a terrible pass and a terrible decision by the Warriors player to touch it. And, it's and they, he's on the dead ball line and he passes it straight to a New Zealand player who inexplicably bats it down. And Gus rather than catches it. Yeah. And Gus says, Oh, this is, you know, that that bat down, that's just an example of the Warriors. They're too wound up, they're taking too many risks. Um, hello, director of football. What about the pass? Yeah. From like, the, if, like it's a, let me tell you worse than anything Justin Hodges did. Oh, my God. If you, if an opposition player gets the opportunity to attempt an intercept or a knockdown in your in goal, you've done the wrong thing. Is that fair? That's on well, you. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly pro in goal passing, as oh, you know. Obviously. So you're, you're pressing to the wrong person. But I, yeah. I guess from a more conservative standpoint, yes, you could argue that it's not an, a good pass if your opposition manages to touch it when you're passing you it from what, your own in goal. Actually, just yeah. now that I mentioned that, I've, I'm bringing together two threads here. If that had been Henry Farfelli on that wing who'd been in position yeah. there, he could have yeah. claimed redemption yeah. for the, for the for passing the, yeah. goal, which I yeah, assume might the, even have been in this season. Um, and I think, if memory serves, I could be wrong, it was against Cronulla, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, it was my favourite moment that's ever happened in rugby league. Yeah, he picked the ball up from the corner post, ran all the way to like <laughs> in his own in goal trying to get out, got all the way to the goal post. So he got yeah. to the corner post, picked up in the corner, got to the goal post, threw a basketball pass to try and hit the other winger, went over the winger's head, bounced in the corner, and Preston put his hand Preston. on it. Preston just walked over and placed a hand on it in the opposite corner, and it was a try. So, yeah, it, oh, could, it could have been a real redemption story. And I, I still back Henry for doing that, and I'll back. Uh, not even doing this, but I, yeah, but I do accept <laughs> the basic premise that if you one of your passes in your own in goal gets touched by the opposition, you can't really be saying the opposition are the ones that have got a bit loose. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. The second moment, and then I've written in the 29th minute, and I, it's not an expression I use, but I found myself writing it in capital letters OMG. Yeah, let me tell you yeah. a story, listeners. I want yeah. you to picture the scene. <laughs> oh my god, oh. Paul Mellor has the book Cronulla on the attack. Right-hand corner of the ground. Paul Mellor gets the ball. Grubbers to the goal line. Stacey Jones picks it up. Ducks under a tackle. Bursts away upfield with real pace, with that lightning, nippy Stacey Jones pace that he showed to such great effect a week later in the grand final. Gets to halfway. Uh, He's got Brett Kamali coming after him, of all people. Kamali's chasing him, coming across Stacey Jones kicks from halfway downfield. Beautifully weighted kick, which looks set to sit up on the dead ball line. Francis Melly is leading the race by a mile. Francis Melly gets to the ball, looks for all, all money like he's going to fall on it and score, and it is kicked out of his hands by who? Paul Mellor, who put the original kick in in the corner that started the move. 
<laughs> I couldn't believe this. This is the most incredible. There's so much to unpack. There is so much to unpack here. The terrible kick by Melor. Stacey Jones getting run down after like a 50-meter line break gets run down by Kamali. Kicks on play zero madly. Like it's just, it's play it's tackle it's, like, it's play zero. They haven't like that. and he kicks from halfway and Melly wins the race to the ball. I refuse to say that Melo got there first because he didn't. He doesn't. He's really in the picture, but Melly is going. It, it, it just, unfortunately, it doesn't get over the line, so he has to try and pick it up rather than fall on yeah. it. So it's, it ends up sitting up about two metres from the try line. So it's in the field of play, and Melly's going to have to pick it up and score. And in the act of slowing to actually pick it up, Melo just dives like a soccer slide from a mile behind, and his foot comes between Melly's oh. hands and just shums the ball out as he's about to grab it and kicks it dead from the field. You really see kicks go dead from the field. Like he's kicked it dead from in play um, and saved the try. And I don't even know where to begin with how mental this is, Um, other than to say the commentary is just wonderful. When Rab starts really rapping Melor for getting back there and Sterlo starts talking up what a crap kick it was at the start of the play, and I think as much as it was a poor <laughs> kick, you sort of have to forgive him at this point. Like having absolutely busted his backside to go oh, like yeah. he's run 100 metres after putting a kick in. And keep in mind, he's kicked it, Jones is off, and he's had to turn around knowing he's no chance to get Stacey Jones whatsoever, like at all, mm. and has run back anyway in case I don't know, maybe he had watched some Warriors games and figured Stacey might do something odd rather than submit if he was caught. And it's just, but he's no chance of getting Stacey, turns around, flogs after it anyway, and ends up running 100 metres after starting with the ball on his own 10 and kicking it. Yeah. You know, and, and saves a try that may well have, you know, at this point may well win them the game. You know what I mean? And Well, it's, 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 it's 10 mil kick to come if they score here. Yeah, and it's not only 10 nil to keep to come. He's a massive chance of actually, actually poor carriaging, having yeah. like, having thrown the, the pass like to nobody for the first try. If he's then just booted it into legs and Stacey's gone 50 metres and kicked for Melly to score and he's considered the second, he's in quite serious danger of actually having a very memorable prelim final that we'll talk about for a long time. Yeah. Um, and has really saved that. By this, oh. it's incredible by everyone involved. The, the run by Stacey, the fact that Noddy Kamali just flogs him down from midfield, the fact that Stacey kicked, um, all of it is just mad. And and Francis Melly getting there is like quite <laughs> the whole thing's just incredible. That's fantastic. Uh, it was just, it was just such thrilling, um, such thrilling football. I, I was I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned. Yeah, um, the best plays I've ever seen. Like yeah, sequences just of events. For, the, for the whole sequence, yeah. it's just madness. Yeah. Um, Shortly after that, I think from the dropout, uh, Carlo, journeyman John Carlo bombs another one on the far side um, mm. with numbers. He's got numbers. He's got numbers to his left. Oh, sorry, he's on the he's on the near side. He has numbers to his left. Cuts back inside uh, and then throws a pass that goes forward. Um, mm. well, he must have been on the right hand side and cut back in, but he, he throws a pass that goes forward and turns it over. Uh, and then off the scrum, McKenna just drops the ball cold uh, and. It's just this helter skelter. Like at this point, the, there's not a lot of quality in the game. There's a lot of mistakes, and the both sides, both sides, are just trying things on and all this and taking a lot of risks. And at half time, it's six nil. After all that, after all this madness and balls flying around and drop balls and kicks from halfway and all this stuff, it's six nil to the Warriors. And if you weren't watching it, you would think it was a quite a tense, sort of stodgy finals game. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it was the Warriors botched a few. It should have been bigger than that. But this game, it was just full of moments. Like it was just full of exhilarating, thrilling moments. Yeah. Um, I've written here. Out. Like it was, yeah, like there was some weird stuff in the back of club. It was just so full of exciting things happening, like Peachy intercepting. And it, like, it's not just an intercept, it's an attacking sequence where they're about to score and Peachy's then off the other way. And then, like, you know, like Melo's kicking 10 out and then the Warriors are off. And it, just the whole thing was so thrillingly, just moments would just burst out of nowhere because both the teams were quite committed to throwing the ball around. And I'd, all, all I really thought was, again, this is a bit of a tangent, but it just reminds me how much I hate what the Melbourne Storm and the Bellamyra did to rugby league because yeah. I watched this and, you know, when I think, when we talk about attacking teams winning the comp and defence, you know, because everyone says the best defensive team wins the comp. There was a few years here where some teams like Newcastle just conceded points like anything and won the 2001 comp. The, the Tigers won in 05, Penrith won in 03, just conceding points, but winning anyway and the Warriors have gone very close to doing it here there was this, it's actually these weren't one-offs because all the one-offs we talk about were in the same era like this, this start of the NRL era in this 2001 to sort of 05 there was quite a few bright attacking teams mixed in around the Bulldogs and Roosters era um, that made this go of it and once Bellamy's team not that it's his fault started playing this wrestle and regimented cronk ball um, and Smith ball Everyone copied it and mm. all this died. Like yeah. teams stopped doing this and it never really came back. And no, it, really. it's it's as much as we saw in some attacking football last year with the quicken, they had to artificially quicken the game up to get this back. Because once Bellamy's team started doing what they did, everyone just abandoned this and it was so good to watch. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm sure it was terrible to coach. Like you must have been having heart attacks trying to well, watch this as a you know, like all coaches, but all the, the, there was a few teams around this way that just played this way, and Cronulla are doing it, and Newcastle did, the Warriors, the Tigers, it, it, Penrith were beautiful at it, and God, it was just a better product. <laughs> oh, it was, it was and, and, and to an extent, and one of the troubles with with even the last couple of seasons where they've quickened the game mm. up, as you say, is that it hasn't really produced this sort of football. I think really what it has meant is that. In large part, the set plays have just worked more often because teams are tired and teams get more of the ball and all that sort of thing. Like, you haven't seen quite so much, or you've like you haven't seen this kind of helter skelter hoiking the ball around and all that. It's just that there've been more points, but they haven't been these points. There've been points like this. No, the bet the better at the moment. The quicker they made the game, all it's done is that um, the teams that would probably have won anyway because they've got. Munster and Pappenhausen, or they've got Cleary, or they've got Travojevic, are winning by 50 and not 30. Like, rather than yeah. having Travojevic do two amazing things a game, he does five because the game yeah. is so quick. That's not what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's not what this is. This is no. um, uh, quite a few teams. And admittedly, it was a bit easier because we've talked about the lack of quality halves now or the gap from Cleary to some of the others. And back then, more teams had more Arsenal to throw. You still you had teams with, you could have Stacey on one team, and then you had Peachy and Noddy, and then you'd have Fittler. Um, and, and Minicello in a team and you'd have, you know, Johns and, and O'Davis and those things. So you had a lot more quality in Gower, of course, and Reese Wesser, for example. Like you had a lot more weapons around. But um, that's, yeah, that that's not what this is. This is teams that seem to be just committed to throwing it around, knowing that they would give chances and turn the ball over, but that they would score points as well yeah. and that they would put up the other team under a lot of pressure. And, and I'm not, again, it's not actually meant to be a bagging out of Melbourne. It's just a shape like, 
they came up with a plan that worked for them, but it's just a shame that everyone copied it and the appetite for risk is completely gone. And as someone who watches the game for fun, this was so good. It was oh, so much better. Than I, I oh. wrote in my halftime note was no flow or rhythm to the game, just a series of odd incidents. Mm. You know, like it's just exciting it's, odd incidents. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just funny yeah. things happening. When, the they still come I, from the good players, right? Like the, yeah, yeah, it's the good course. players that are still bursting out and having the moments in the game are still coming from yeah. the players you expect, you know? Like it's not like, oh, it's this odd game where you hoik it around and anyone does anything. The, the, the good quality out-of-your-seat moments are still coming from David Peachy and Stacey Jones and all those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we mentioned I, we both had a pretty big swing at the commentators uh, at the top. Uh, I'm going to have one more. For all this talk, they keep talking about the Warriors being frivolous with the ball and being, being too nervous and not playing finals football and chucking the ball around too much and taking too many risks. Completion rates at half time: Warriors 16 from 22, Cronulla 15 from 22. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Warriors missed four tackles out of 127. They keep talking about fatigue. The Warriors have made 127 to Cronulla's 163. Um, yeah. If there was going to be a team that knocked up, it was going to be Cronulla, and uh, and they 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 got they were going better. The, the Warriors, were... particularly as they had to make the 160 tackles on Ali Latiti and Mark Tuki. Well, indeed, which <laughs> yeah, it, is, uh, it, 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 take, it takes a certain tax, doesn't it? Oh, uh, wouldn't it? What? Oh, I reckon <laughs> the the second half begins rather inauspiciously when Brett Kamali lines up the kickoff and the ball falls off the tee, um, and then the wouldn't Warriors on sand. Yeah, well, indeed. And the Warriors drop it off the first set and then Greg Bird drops it in reply. Uh, yeah. And then Dean Treister is knocked absolutely senseless. And finally, there is another try in the game after 44 minutes. Uh, it's a Kamali bomb to the corner. Paul Fronze goes up for it against Justin Murphy, kind of shovels it back, um, I, I suspect more accidentally than anything else, and trying to catch it to yep. Matthew Reek, body and soul. I'm a Reek. Uh, who gets the ball down in the corner. They had a very long consultation with the video referee that it is eventually given, and it is mm-hmm. 6-4. Uh, and it remains 6-4 when Brett Kamali misses the That's where we get the welcome overseas audience too. Oh, good. Right well, mm. they, uh, let me tell you something. The overseas audience got a trick when, uh, got a treat when uh, when Brett Kamali lined up the goal kick. It's one of the biggest misses mm. I've ever seen in a final in particular. It was yeah. a big, he just doesn't get anywhere near it. Which Do is you remember him not kicking? His, Oh, not really. Like if you think about neither. He was in, uh, I, did yeah. he kick him? Did he kick I just don't remember him goal kicking. I, I don't think so. Uh, he didn't. No, they had. No, um, Guyer was the kicker in '99, wasn't he? Yeah, it wasn't Craig Smith kicking, but he was knocked out or something. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't remember him kicking much. I'm going to bring him up while we're on that. I, I just don't think he'll have. Yeah, so I'm actually so not bad. Yeah, sorry, you go. He's got. He's got four. He had four goals for the Mariners. Twenty-seven goals in seventy-nine games for the Storm. Yeah. Um, never kick one for the Northern Eagles, but he does have one hundred and sixty-five goals in one hundred and forty games for the Sharks. So he must have kicked like some seasons, but not all of them, because that's not yeah. really enough for for every game. But yeah, and yeah, he didn't kick any at the Bulldogs. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't have much of a memory of him as a goal kicker. Well, I suppose at the Bulldogs, he would have had Hasm there, wouldn't he? Um, yeah, well, he just seems to have always been a second choice or, or maybe just yeah. at Cronulla they had no one good and he kicked for a couple of years, but it doesn't seem like he kicked the whole time he was um, there either. 
I'm just trying to think. Who had Luke Cavell for a while? That's what I was about to say. I was yeah. just about to say. I wonder who would have taken over for him. Possibly Luke Cavell. Great minds. Yeah. Um, it's good to get a mention of Luke Cavell. I'm not sure that. I, yeah. I, I suspect that we won't ever get to a Luke Cavell game on the cemetery, a game with him in it. So it's yeah. good to get a mention in this way. Um, yeah. My favourite slow backs, other than well, Ben Pomeroy, who also probably, played for Cronulla. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the same team, Money Edge. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not bagging Kamali for missing this kick, by the way. It, it was The wind is appalling. It's, it's blowing around yeah. like mad. It's a very wintry day for, for late but It September. was a big miss, so like it missed by a long way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, now, this is the beginning of... The the Kamali minutes. Mm. Um, this is about fifteen minutes of of Kamali just madness, um, punctuated oddly by Warriors try. But so he's set up that kick with a with a, he set up that try with a kick to the corner. Uh, then from the next set, he launches with the wind. I've just mentioned how blustery it was. He kicks what I can only describe as a thirty five, not a forty mm-hmm. twenty, a thirty dash five. Kicks it from his own 30 metre line. It goes out five out from the Warriors line. It's a stunning oh, kick with the wind. That's unbelievable. That's the second best 40 20 in a prelim that's ever been kicked. <laughs> um, we'll leave the one, we'll leave the best one open for another game that we'll do one day by uh, a certain, uh, let's call him A. Johns. No, that's too obvious. Another Newcastle um, based but, halfback. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But that, that that is an absolutely absurd kick at 6 4. Like, fair dinkum. Like, at 6 4 in a prelim to just yeah. like shoot that off your cannon because he, he didn't have that big of a boot. He wasn't no. a big, he was a good kicker, but he wasn't a big kicker to just. Fire that off when you've gone, you got the try. It was a lucky try, you know, it was opportunistic and whatever else. And then you just come out and go, boom. Yeah. Have that. We're back down there. That's just unbelievable football. Yeah. Now, Justin Murphy diffuses a bomb after that set and they get away with it, the Warriors. But Cronulla have, have chances in that 10 minute period between the Reek try and the Torpy try in the 55th. They have a number of chances that go in front. And if they do, they, they can put it right on the Warriors, right? Like they'll be in front with 25 yeah. to go. And the Warriors, as minor premiers, will have to dig themselves out of it. Um, and they just don't take those chances. Um, the wind is playing a massive part, obviously. And Gus, again, he just like at 6-4 after 54 minutes, he says, mm. they're going to get out of this, but they've been a bit impetuous. It's just taken his yeah. red. It's, it's like um, the way he talks about it and the way they all talk about it at different times is like Melbourne now sort of dragged into a game with the Tigers. And all yeah. Newcastle something, and it's like they're they'll find they'll, a way out. They'll, they'll find a way home. Good. Like they're yeah. going to win. Yep. It's yep. six all with twenty to go. They're going to win, but geez, they're making this harder for itself than it needs to be for yeah. themselves and it needs to be. Except that it's like fifth playing the minor premiers. Bingo. Yeah, that's um, the difference. Noddy makes a in that run. There's a it, just because we're counting Noddy sort of minutes and it's about to get yeah. interrupted. There's a break by Kamali in there where he goes through on halfway, like throws the dummy and just skites, like just absolutely yeah. bursts through that they don't end up scoring on. And again, you go, oh, hang on. Like he's kicked the 40-20. They're back in. They're in the midfield. And he just goes like one of those. He was so quick. He just dummies and goes through and skites through, hits the support, and they just don't manage to score. And the, the Warriors get out of it. We just go, he's just absolutely stepping up. And there's still be some more to come. Yeah. He's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he, he is just starting to really stamp this game. Yeah, and Cronulla are starting to stamp the game a bit. And out of nothing, the Warriors going nowhere, oh. just decide, just as you do, uh, decide to spread the ball on halfway. And mm-hmm. it goes to Jones, and he fires it out to Cleary, and Cleary just shovels a kind of bouncing pass um, into the ground and then into the hands of Clinton Torpy, who has an overlap for some reason, and shows that particular, that particular type of speed 
that particular type of like high knees pace that only mm. really big centers can show. You know what I mean? That mm. <laughs> out on the fringe beats Peachy, all ends up, char- just charges past him, uh, and like and gets well. Sorry, no, he he beats him for pace. Peachy comes back and grasses him around the legs. And Torpy bounces over the over the try line, and after a long um, after a long video ref for a double movement, uh, it is shown that he has bounced over and scored. Peachy was holding onto it like the the double movement rule, of course, is if he's got any con- like if he's held in any way, if he's got any hand on him, Peachy is holding on to the cloth of his jumper. And he's holding on to Clinton Torpy's jersey with I think one hand, and Torpy bounces over the line, and they award the try, uh, and it is completely against the run of play. Cleary misses the goal and it's 10-4. It's incredible football because it goes to what we're saying where they kept saying, oh, you've got to put away the passes and they throw it around too much and it doesn't work. Well, this is why it does work. They've handed the ball over a few times, but they have this moment. like Moments like this, If you, they try this sort of mad stuff 15 times and it doesn't have to work 15 times. To see. <laughs> you don't need 15 tries to win the game. And I, I think I wouldn't want to give you a bit more context to that try of how much this was flung. Like They start with it on right near on a short side. The dummy half throws it 20 metres to Stacey, who throws it 20 metres to Cleary, who Cronulla have been coming up and in the whole game really <laughs> hard, like really hard. Like they're, they're yeah. just trying to block them off from getting to the edges. And they're so far. So Cleary knows they're up and he just back passes it into the space. But the first two balls are just like long ball. It's like Ricky Stewart and Daly pump stuff, like whoop, long ball, whoop, long ball. And then like Cleary just goes, well, the space over there and just hoiks it and it hits the gap. But they've come so far up and in that two, Torpy's on the outside. Like he could have hit Melly and, and just runs around them. The center runs yeah. around the outside himself. Um, and, you so know, that's great on pace, about the 40 it? meter it's line. A, yeah. It's a really well, rampaging big center charge down the edge. It's quite thrilling, actually. It's fantastic with the grandstand. Yeah. He's a yeah. very good player. Him, him and Francis Melly had a couple of years there where they were absolutely dynamic because Torpy was big and quick and he, he developed a really nice pass and Francis Melly was an absolute Mack truck. And mm. like between them, that there was a, a semi-final um, maybe the next year or the year after, I forget which, that, that Francis Melly got four tries in the first week of the finals and Torpy set up all of them and stuff. But they were just like, they had days where they were just so, there was good on their day as any sort of center wing combination that you'll watch it wasn't for 10 years like some of them but for a couple of years there they were like oh yeah and when they had Ali Latiti inside of them it was even worse like it was terrible but it's just lovely football and this is this is the this is what you freeze or you highlight to someone who doubts what they were trying to do and the way they played is, yeah, they gave Cronulla the ball in bad spots sometimes and all of this, but if they play conservative football, this try just never happens whatsoever. And they, they commit to playing this way and they say we're good enough and it would have worked often enough. And it, it, it did. Yeah, exactly right. And <laughs> that's it. And they, they get themselves, they break the rhythm of the rhythm of the game is going against them. And you see so many, so many teams now in particular, oh, yeah, where if the rhythm of the game's going against you, they just get carried away in it. They don't they don't fight back or kind of try and change no. the rhythm. I'm you can pick the result of games, a lot of games. Once yeah. you watch the first 30 minutes, and you can tell what's going to happen because they're just going to keep playing exactly like this and it's going to go a certain way and they're going to get worn down. And, and you if know, the Warriors, don't you? Yeah, yep. and if the Warriors had kept trying to just ruck it up and play a kind of forwards versus forwards game, they lost. The, the, the Sharks would have overpowered 100%. them because they were yep. coming for them and they were winning the territory. And they had mm-hmm. this absurd breeze behind them, um, yep. and and they just they just couldn't have beaten them. 
and and instead they break the they break the game open and score. And shortly after this, I tell you, they ought, they nearly very nearly score again because mm. there is a they get up there again. There's a grubber from Ivan Cleary and Lanto Higher who's on the field and Melor go for it at the same time. Both have hands on it, end up rolling over. Melor ends up with the ball, but Manda some for some reason doesn't go to the video. Um, and I've got to tell you, when you look at the replay, there's a fairly decent argument that Leto Higher has at least half of the ball and gets it on the ground. And if that's the case, I mean, in my head, that's a simultaneous put down and a try. Yeah, it was pretty close. Um, if it went to the video ref now, to give you an idea how close it was, it would take about 15 looks to come oh, yeah. up with who did that. Um, the question was really who had it first, because they both had it when it touched the ground, but someone had it first. And you've got to dis- – I think if you've – you think if I've got it and then yeah. you put a hand on it and it's touching the ground, you haven't dispossessed me of the ball. That's I don't right, think yeah. that can be a simultaneous put down. But whether that happened or not, I couldn't tell because we just don't get enough of a look at it because it doesn't go to the video ref. So the game just, we get a quick replay and it moves on. But it, well, it certainly deserved a look. Um, and I was only going to say that we can only go with having not got 10 looks at it. Yeah. We have to go with the decision that was made, which means that I have to really wrap Paul Mellor again, who has gone mm. from starting the game with an absolute stinker like an all-time howler, has very nearly had a second terrible moment with that kick that he's put in, has now like saved that try, which was total guts and effort, and has now saved another one really desperately. So he could have had like quite a terrible, like remembered game, but has really through really working quite hard now saved a couple of tries and got himself out of the sort of the history books of having yeah, a stick. No, really. Plenty of right. people have done it. He's done a pretty good job to save himself here because we, we have to assume he has saved it. He's um, in everything, <laughs> isn't he? Jesus. Yeah, yes, like yes, he's yes, just yes. in everything. Yeah. Um, two minutes later, there is a beautiful bit of play from Kamali, again, the, oh. the, where he chips and chases. no fullback or the fullback's a long way back because of, that's right, because of the 40-20, right? So Kamali's yeah. banging this 40-20 from his own 30. So the Kick fullback, a 35, yeah, yeah. Hit the fullback goes back, so right? The fullback yeah. is all the way back, and Kamali's just right, oh, well, let's do this. So he chips and chases. There's acres of space. I only wish that Sterlo had been able to freeze it there and colour it in. Um, yeah. He might have run out of time. He uh, And so he puts this kick in behind, uh, very nearly gets it back, um, and ends up forcing a dropout. Uh, and well, it was it was a stunning kick. It it was almost a carbon copy of the ninety nine grand final kick that Blacklock scores at the other end of. Yes, like it was almost identical. Um, yep. I suspect that it's a much better idea to put that kick in when the fullback. With no disrespect to Ivan Cleary, um, <laughs> it, it's a much <laughs> the chances of that have like when it was through. I went, this looks exactly like what happened in that grand final. Is Cleary going to cop this and burst through? But him and Cleary <laughs> get there at a near identical time, which is exactly what happened with Kamali and Blacklock. Um, Cleary takes the much more sensible option of just trying to like get in the way as opposed to the Blacklock sort of one-handed, like full pace tilt pickup. Oh, yeah. um, and, and they both, it's, it's very, if you've seen, you, if you're listening to this and haven't seen that, then you've got massive problems, but it's very reminiscent of that play, except Noddy this time he gets there at the same time and he sort of kicks it again, but gets tangled up. So yeah. he kicks it again, but clearly he's got there at the same time. They both fall over and it flows, flows through into the end goal and they, they get the dropout. So it's, just so exciting because it's Kamali's kick and you can't see the fullback in the picture. All you can see is Noddy going for it. You're like, oh, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. And they both get there at the same time and there's a collision and it goes through for the dropout. So it's another really big moment for Kamali to have forced the dropout and have nearly scored one of the all-time tries 
Um, and again, showing he was in fairness that he wasn't mentally scarred from having done this in a grand well, final indeed. and had it go completely tits <laughs> up. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and not only does he do this, um, but he then executes a wraparound with Matt Bickerstaff's got an early Easter egg, gets it back, dummies, beats Lawatiti and scores, and and then yep. kicks the goal and bang, 10 all. And so in 10 minutes, Kamali has made a line break that nearly ends in a try. He's kicked a 40-20. He's done a chip and chase to force a dropout that very nearly ends in a try and then actually scored a try all at a crucial time when they're originally four, originally two and then six behind in the, in the, the preliminary final. Yep, and he that last bit, it's, and it's whilst there's a wraparound and it's a solo try and that nothing else good is about it but him. Like when he gets it back, it's yeah. all his dummy and pace that sets it. Uh, he's got a very similar one to that actually in the Knights' first reserve great grand final. It's almost a yeah. carbon copy. It's unbelievable. Like it's what we talk about with great halfbacks, um, how they're bread and butter. And yeah. when he was young, his pace was a real like he used to get it near the ruck and he loved the dummy and just just pace through that in that he was very deadly in the ten, like not even the twenty so much, the ten. Like if you were in yeah. the ten meter zone, those first few steps of pace. But it's an incredible ten minute run that that coincides, you know, that that all of this stuff ends with them being tied in the preliminary final with sixteen minutes to go. Um, like you said, just this yeah. wave of ten minutes of football, you know, that ends all with of it him off him and all of it off yep. him. At the last yeah. two moments, he has two or three big moments. They concede a try. He doesn't go away. He comes back with two, you know, another two huge moments. And they walk out going 16 to go, 10 all off a big play from your gun player who's been brought in, who's under pressure because of the whole Campbell stuff. And he yeah, wasn't and at this point, right? Like, Noddy. Yeah. Well, and the other thing you've got to remember is that at this point, Cronulla had come off a lot of nearlys in the finals. And yep. Chris Anderson brings Kamali in as the halfback that's going to get him that last little bit. Yep. And, yeah, and, and look, and yeah. 10 all is like with 15, 15 to go with the wind at their backs. Um, yeah. It feels like that might be how it's going, that he's going to break the game oh. open and get them get yeah. them to the grand final. And, you know, they, well, it's well and good to say. he held up his end of the bargain. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, yeah. but, but it's well and good to say they've got the wind at their backs and all this, but you've got to be able to yeah. use the wind, right? And once he yeah. does, I mean, geez, with 15 to go, um, with that wind and with everything going as it had, sure, the Warriors have scored one against the play, but, geez, like, they're the favourites, yep. the Sharks. This time, like, at this point, you you are able to say they, they should win from here. This is this is their game. Um, yep. And I'll go and put it on you that they'll beat anyone else because we talk about breaking sequences yeah. with Mad, passing and everything else. Other teams would, when you watch it, the script of this is that Cronulla roar home off that momentum. Um, and if you play a team that plays normally, and just hits it up and you use your the momentum you've got now, you're harder, you're gonna run harder, you're gonna kick longer, you're up, you you would have won the game. Um, I need to stop quickly there and noddy again is just to say that this this game and that sequence is a great example of my bugbear of why we talk about winning comps as the be all end all. And I know he did win one, but we talk about oh, so and so won six comps or so and so won two or so and so didn't win any and use it to judge players. This is a team sport, right? And yes, the halfback's supposed to win the game and everything else, but the, you don't play by yourself and circumstances and so many things go into whether you win no competitions, five comps, one, whatever else, that he was so good in this game and so good when the game was under on the line and when his team needed to be dragged back into the contest. And the fact that they didn't win the game doesn't change that. It does not change that he did. He held his end up. He did everything he could have done and they just got beat on the day and that happens. And we need to get away from this narrative of just like judging people off whether they won the well, comp or not. Because if he, if he didn't win in Melbourne, if he just, you know, they were a new team, if he hadn't gone there, 
he's playing for some other club. And he never won one. You go, oh, Cromwell never won a comp. But then you show this and want to tell me that he was no good under the heat of finals or something. And you become well, like, come on. And I'm sure that there were like Cooper Cronk won what three or four grand finals. Hmm. It, I, I, I'm sure that there were preliminary finals Cooper Cronk played in where he wasn't as good as this. No, of you know, course like not. I just think that, of course there like, was what a... more could what more could Kamali have done in this game to get them into yeah. the grand final? Kamali um, did quite a bit less when he won the Churchill in the ninety nine yeah, grand final. Quite right. Quite, quite a right. lot less. He had nowhere near as good a game as this and got judged best player in the grand final. There's yeah. so many circumstances that go into legacies and you have to actually be watching the games all the time and understand all of this and see them play to judge properly. You can't just Google their Wikipedia page and say he played this many games and for New South Wales and won yeah. this many comps and then tell me have a look. someone was yeah, rubbish. Have a look. It's uh, mm. no, that's absolutely right. And I'm glad to have watched this because having ignored him my mm. whole, uh, having ignored him his whole career in real time out of loyalty, I, you know, it's good to yep. have actually been able to watch him a little bit more dispassionately, not completely dispassionately, but a little bit more. Of course not. Yeah. Um, there's still some twinge of uh, anger there. 12 minutes left. The moment of the match, I think you would have to agree, Gazzy, the moment mm-hmm. that you posted on the Rugby League Cemetery Facebook page this afternoon, uh, I can't really describe it other than to say that it begins with Ali Lawatiti throwing a one-hand gridiron offload. Uh, as most good things do. The Warriors spread it. Murphy runs down the sideline, hoiks it infield, and then David Peachy streaks away up the other end. I'm doing that quite an injustice, I think. Oh, um, but it, you, it, you it, will have some things to say, I suspect, about this. I've got a lot to say. Firstly, the player you'd be expected to involve in this 12-pass sequence, Stacey Jones, has tackled the play before taking <laughs> it up. So this doesn't involve the halfback. He gets the ball sort of 25, 30 metres in from the left sideline. They hit it up and they shift like across to the winger, uh, Melly, who steps back in a couple, then they hit the centre. Then, they, So at this point, they've gone three passes to the left, and it's now on the left edge. Then they throw it back in field to Ali Laetiti, who gets it fourth play in the sequence. Now he runs around with it one-handed. Gets he's the on the left-hand side. We need to on know this. Okay, so he's, he's on the far on the left. left. Yeah. Yep, yep. So he's still on the left-hand side, and they're on about halfway now. Now mm. he runs into the traffic, has three players hanging off him, but is holding his like the ball above his head in one arm, like some sort of the king that he is yeah. and just looks and goes, and all these people surround him because he might pass. And he's like, well, I'll show you. And he gridiron <laughs> hooks it, not basketball passes. Forget uh, basketball, my friends. None of this sunny build basketball nonsense that he didn't create anyway. It was Ali Latiti. Latiti gridiron passes it, other American sport, over from one side to land it basically back in the center of the field. And then the Warriors go play the numbers and go one pass, two pass, three pass, sprint down the sideline of the field, but it's not over because the cover's on the, on the other side. Yeah, on the other side, on the right wing. And then the cover's coming across. They pass back inside twice <laughs> and in traffic. And so now the, the, the place out of them halfway, it's only gone 20 metres, but it's been passed 11 times <laughs> and gone across from one edge back all the way to the other. And then at the last second, they still try a final pass to get around David Peachy, who intercepts it again for the second time (laughs) in the game, flies off and makes another 30 metres back downfield. And the ball finishes on halfway where it started on the play, (laughs) but with the other team in possession, having crossed every blade of grass sideways, but only made about 25 to 30 metres forward down the field. And, I just squealed. I just got on my feet and started squealing and then cackling. And then I went back and then I videoed it. And if if you don't watch the game, just watch this. And this is what I'm talking about with pass sequences. Yeah, it's unbelievable. This There was 10 others that would have been the best thing that had happened in any other game. And then this just came over and completely swamped it. 
out of the contest. And uh, it's so exciting. <laughs> Both oh, teams. Stunning. It ends up and, with and Cronulla being, breaking away in the other direction. Yeah. Anything where two teams break away? Have you ever seen a bad play? No, where never. Both teams made a line break on the same play, like ever. There's it's never not like been it. And, yeah. and the thing about it is that, like, almost very shortly after this, Greg Bird is hauled down 10 metres out after a break, and the Sharks look like they're going to score. Mm. And it's only that Paul Mellor, who, again, is at the centre of everything, goes down injured. He's, like, they've got yeah, this huge untouched. momentum. The Warriors are shot to bits, and he goes down injured when he looks like he's going to score. Untouched. Then, no one's touching him. He just yeah, goes yeah, he down just, with he just like goes a rib down. injury untouched. Yeah, he's going to really, be I've one never of, seen that. I think for memory, it's a couple of days ago I watched this, but the fullback is there, but like is mm. worse than even money to stop him because he's Paul Miller and he's yeah. five minutes out, right? And he just collapses um, under this injury. Um, Kamali puts in a banana kick from about 5-10 out, which sees Bird stopped. And then Dean Treister stopped just yeah, short Don't of the copy line. things you can't do, champ. Don't do things that are beyond your naughty. Leave the banana yeah, well, kicks exactly. to the goat. Leave the banana kicks to someone who knows. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Brett. Yeah, but <laughs> but Treister is hauled down just short, like he's dragged down yeah. agonizingly short. And then, yeah. again, it's just this mad white knuckle mm. sort of football. Um, yeah. Then I think couple- on that, that sequence, the, the only thing just about that general concept is, uh, is again, to go back to the Warriors' commitment to the style of play, is that yeah. after Noddy has scored that try, yeah. they have just, as that is illustrated by that helter-skelter play, but as kept going in other sequences we haven't got time to discuss, they just kept chucking it around. They had no concept that it was now 10 all, no. 15, 14, 13, 12 to go in a, in a final. They just kept taking shots all through this. And even when they gave Cronulla cheap ball like that to defend the set, they have just kept throughout. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get to some moments now. It's important to note how they just never show any fear of the situation or any doubt in the way they want to play football. They, that's how they are going to play. And they have just at no point gone, we've got to put this away or we've got to change this now. They just keep firing shots over and over and over. Well, and with less than 10 to go on fourth tackle, 30 metres out at 10 all. 30 out mm. from the Sharks' line, they throw five yeah. straight offloads in a row, the last yep. of which is dropped 10 metres back from where they started on the on the, on the, on yeah. the edge. Um, and like, no attempt for the field goal. And, and the great thing about it. that play is that after three offloads, they're 10 out, and they end yeah. up back on the 30, <laughs> which is so admirable. Um, that There are a couple of things very quickly that I want to mention. One is that off the next... After that moment where Cronulla dragged down a yard out, Stacey Jones puts a kick in on last tackle, pins Cronulla in the corner, and then makes uh, three tackles in a row. That's set. He gets yeah. down and makes the tackle yep. off his own kick, then makes the next two from marker, um, which is just a bit of his game that you wouldn't necessarily, he's not the sort of player you would necessarily associate with like repeated marker tackles. Um, yeah. The second thing is that at the 10-minute mark, Sturlow, the, 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 the smoke comes out of the chimney and Sturlow pronounces that it is now time for somebody to think about a field goal. I just wonder if they might think about one point, which as yeah. we know, as we have established through cemetery law, it is only when Sturlow has announced that a field goal is able to be taken that they can be taken. And, and the problem now is that he's he's retired from commentary. This is the first year where he won't be involved. And I think there's a real possibility that we may never see a field goal in first grade rugby league ever again. Yeah, I think that's probably likely. I, I haven't I, seen one of the trials so far. Well, the players are going to be all that see. They're not going to know what to do. I always assumed no. that once he called for it, the hand went up from the coach or something. No, 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 it's time. We've had the signal. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, six minutes to go. So now we're in this this slog. The Warriors look like they're not going to be able to do it because of the, the wind and everything else. But they get themselves up there. They keep playing hard football and keep kind of bashing away. And with six minutes left on halfway, Brett Kamali one-on-one strips the ball off Ivan Cleary, which looks like a wonderful play until he drops it. And so instead of turning the ball over on halfway mm. and being bang in field goal range, the opposite happens. The Warriors are in position. And <laughs> again, there is, they don't set up for the field goal. They, well, they might have thought about setting up for it, but they end up 10 out on the left-hand side, which is not really the place to be taking field goals. The ball comes across to Stacey Jones, who grubbers on an angle Almost, it's it's more sideways than straight. It's a remote, it's a it's a twenty yeah. meter kick that only goes ten yeah. meters up the field, and I've just written here capital letters. Stacey Jones is God um, because this kick is so accurate. Mm-hmm. It, it it cuts through the defensive line, goes a, a kind of in, across the face of the posts, and sits up into the arms of the awaiting John Carlaw right on the goal line, about a yard to the or a couple of yards to the right of the upright. He crashes over, gets the bounce and scores. And John Carlaw, who in his career played for six clubs, never played more than 40 games at any of them, played for the Hunter Mariners, the Storm in 98 before they won the comp, Balmain before they got amalgamated, the West Tigers, then the Warriors, and eventually finished at St. George of the War. Played 151 games spread across six clubs, scores to put the Warriors into the grand final. It's unbelievable. Uh, that... The only thing I can improve on your description there is just to note that it was tackle four. Yeah. Stacey kicked yeah, early. Yeah, yeah. He kicked early. Like, he, he, like he's a god. He, there is four minutes left or six minutes, whatever it was, left in a preliminary final. They've had um, no field position. They haven't been down none. there. They get down there. And they're 20 out. He can kick one off the next ruck if he wanted, like, two. Has yeah. gr- like, imagine if this doesn't – it's one of those ones where you go, imagine if this doesn't work. You, you think yeah. Johns is going down the blind in the grand final with six seconds left, not taking – like, if these things don't work. You get shot. You have to have so much like belief in your ability, and you've got to be ice cold. Like to kick that play, and there's plenty of others. There's just two examples, I think. But to, to take those odds, like in that situation, and kick it on play four in a grubber, and like you said, it had to be perfect. That the yeah. sharks weren't out of position. They got back, and it sort of sits up between two of them with color banging back to get it. And if he misses an in, like by a meter either way, that it goes straight to a shark. And yeah. To trust yourself in that situation to nail it and go against the grain of what everyone thinks you should do and pull it off, absolutely incredible. Um, just outstanding. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, he was a wonderful yeah, player. Thrilling. Wonderful and player. He, you know, he gets it right. He gets he puts the kick exactly where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Peachy's almost there, but he's not, and Carlo is there and it bounces onto his chest. I thought it was a really nice moment for John Carlo. Like he he never stayed at a club for more than a year or two, and he mm. had this career of battling away, being good enough for first grade and, and and scratching out a career for himself, you know, as a kind of mm. durable centre winger. And he gets, he scores a, a try to send a team into the grand final. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. I, it's I also helpful given the game he'd had, it was a good idea of Stacey to put him over the line rather than have Carlo set up his winger because he watched about three tries. <laughs> he had, yeah, he had. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a very so. nice moment. It's, a, it's always nice when you get people that, you know, because he was obviously a, um, anyone who plays as much first grade as that's obviously a good player, but he was not a guy that got to stay at one club and achieve, you know, yeah. all this stuff with one of... club and be part of great teams. He battled away in some of the lower teams on the table for a long time and some starting teams and to 
score have the moment to get a club into its first grand final that'll never be forgotten and everyone who goes for New Zealand will remember this moment, you know, yeah. forever. Um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was lovely. It, it, was, yep. it was really good. And, and Cleary, as you'd expect, kicks a goal from in front. Um, and there are, what, four minutes to go. Uh, and, and and the Warriors are on their way. Uh, up yours, Gus. Uh, their conditioning is fine. Um, you don't need conditioning when you've got Stacey, baby. And, even, no. and if you do have conditioning, even better. Uh, yeah, incredible. Oh, too, we, um... Yeah, no, you go. A wonderful moment off the uh, ice. People are about to get to the kickoff. We are. Um, Naughty uh, fails to get ten meters, and he's attempt to kick short, which you do yeah. see so much of. It's um, what I got. I thought was the commentary of the game happens here by Peter yeah. Sterling. So this this kick fails to go. Two things about this. Firstly, they failed to to kick the ten meters. Firstly, Sterlo suggests they take the tap rather than risk not kicking the ball into touch, <laughs> which I find interesting because like Stacey Jones has just needle threaded this grubber. Mm. through for the try and the suggestion is that he's not going to be able to kick the ball out which I thought was good but moment of the match for me Sturlow then says all they need to do here is keep cool heads and play with control um nothing silly and they'll get home and all you think watching it is what the fuck's this guy been watching <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what have they been doing, doing that what odds of them doing that are well they? he also calls <laughs> he also calls field goal again 16 10 yeah, i think they should yeah. think about one point yeah um, well he's not wrong about that but yeah the suggestion that there was going to be cool heads nothing silly and playing with control is just totally out of any kilter of like he's never watched <laughs> that team play and certainly not watched them play today just on that that why did they take the short kick off Cronulla? like of all first of all You've got the wind behind it, so you can put it wherever you want. Second, the Warriors have demonstrated throughout the game. First of all, it hasn't been a game of really neat completions. Second, mm. the Warriors have demonstrated throughout the game a complete unwillingness to amend their style to suit the conditions. So the prospect is mm. that at 16-10 in front with three minutes or four minutes to go in the grand final qualifier, they might still push an offload that might get dropped. Yeah. And third, even if they don't do that, Let's say they get to the 40. They've got to kick it into the teeth of a stiff breeze. And the chances are you're going to, like, worst case scenario, they get to fifth tackle and you end up with the ball probably on halfway or something. I thought it was baffling that they would even take the short kickoff. And it was there were four minutes to go. You get it back, you probably get two goes. Um, I thought it was really odd. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I can see where you're coming from. In that era, it wasn't quite like now. Like, we're in this sort of era in the last 10 years where people – start coming down from like 16 points with 10 to go and everything. And we think anything's possible, but there was still a, sort of an older mentality then that the game was o- like the game was over. If you're up by a try with five minutes left or 10, like it was quite yeah. desperation that you sort of needed, like there was none of this scoring in the final minute very often. Do you know what I mean? It was like this weird yeah, cultural true. thing that the game, if you were in front by 10 with 10 to go, did you ever lose? Like not really. Um, but it started to change in real life, but not that mentality came that that was shocking and, um, so I suppose they probably felt with four minutes to go that you needed to get the ball back and have a chance to put your stuff on. But aside from that, it's probably just a bit of panic because I, that was the other. There thing is there, there is four minutes, and not even like being critical of Kamali or the Sharks, like quite genuinely, they just fell behind in a game that decides their whole season. They just locked their guts out for six months, and they need to be in front of the game. And there's now four minutes left, and they just wanted the ball, and they knew yeah. it wasn't long to go. Do something just, about it, yeah. Like tried to get it back and yeah look it's one of those things if they had got it back you know you'd be saying it was really clever so uh, hmm. you know i see i do see it wouldn't happen now even now no, I don't think so six, you'd kick it real deep 
and you'd sit on them and you'd have a really slow defensive set. You try and get the ball back on halfway and then have a tilt in the last minute. But yeah, I, I, I probably were not as critical of it as, as, as you, but I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, they would have got the ball back anyway. That, uh, that Sterlow field goal call, I neglected to mention, a subsidiary of the Sterlow field goal call is that he also is the only person who can call who's going to take it. He has yeah. this way, and, and I can hear it in my mind from so many different, where Rabs will be calling the game and he will just get it in under Rabs's call. He'll just say a name in this very yeah. dramatic way. And I can almost, Rabs will be saying, 20 metres out, and Sterlow will just say, Ivan Cleary. <laughs> and, then, and, the ball, and so this time they do try and keep the field goal. He doesn't say Ivan Clear is in position or anything like that. It's just this tension. It's a moment that only happens in finals and close games and state of origin where the dummy half has the ball in his hand and Sterlow will just say the name of the person who's in the pocket. And it's so it's always so exciting when it happens. But <laughs> on this occasion, the field goal is charged down. Uh, the Warriors go wide off the charge down. First tackle, two minutes to go. go got to go wide, take it on. Um, Francis Melly, as I say, I just want to repeat again for the people at the back, two minutes to go, preliminary final, up by six. Spread the ball out wide. Francis Melly grubbers ahead <laughs> on, z- on, 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 on zero tackle. They could have yeah. run the clock out. Like that's how little time. They could almost have run the clock out by this point. Mm. Could have, but didn't. But didn't. Why, yeah. So <laughs> Melly puts a grubber ahead from about 10 or 15 out and then bats it in to Clinton Torpy, who scores. But unfortunately, Melly was out when he batted it. Um, it wouldn't have count. It didn't count. They had six to go. They just did it anyway. Big respect to Francis Melly there. Big respect yeah. to the whole Warriors outfit for, for being so true to their values at this yeah. point. With two to go, Cronulla spread the ball. And for just a moment, there's just that thing that happens sometimes in football games where you you see space and you go, well, yeah. hang on, you know, and it, sometimes it's only a glimmer of space and then it closes and it's all over. But on this occasion, Greg Bird, of all people, gets into the clear on the fringe, on the right-hand side, and gets his way to halfway and you think, well, hang on, this could be on here. Dramatic yeah. late finish, except that he runs into a bus with oh. like Vodafone on the front and five on the back and Francis Melly <laughs> oh. just like rearranges his body with this shot. It's one of the great hits. I went off my head watching this live. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm not the world's biggest Greg Bird fan and uh, seeing him get absolutely flattened in this way was sensational. And, and Francis Melly, i got to say, um, it's just if that happened in in the at the death at thirty nil in round fifteen, it would be sensational. But for it to yeah. happen to end yeah. like the last chance in a prelim final, oh my god! Oh, and Rabs just absolutely leaves his mark on the game as he did at his peak by just completely rising to it. So Melly just comes in off his wing and smokes him, and Rabs <laughs> just goes, "Ooh." The bells are ringing. It's a huge voice that I can't possibly imitate. So put that in Rabs' voice in the ads, everyone. Yeah. The bells are ringing. It's just perfect. Like, it's so perfect. Um, he was a hit merchant, too. He did a lot yeah. a couple of years ago. He belted people. Like, and he used to flatten them. You know, lovely like a lovely oh, tackler. He was, a, he was scary. There's something about yeah. big outside backs who do that because they get they get so much space. They come from nowhere and yeah. whack, you know. I found um, him very frightening, Francis Melly. I loved him, but I used to watch him like he looked 
angry while he was yeah. playing. Like he, he looked angry and he would charge the ball angrily. And he had a few really big runs in this game here and there that we haven't been able to talk about because it was in the midst of everything else going on. He had a couple of trampling runs and shots like this. He looked angry. And if I saw him playing on the other wing, <laughs> I could go anywhere, like anywhere no. near in any circumstance. He's very frightening. He had that Manu Mau way of looking frightening. If you want a modern mm, comparison, like, you know, Manu, Manu Mau is yeah, like. Yeah. The look on Manu's Mo's face and his eyes and everything when he's playing football, just were like, I'm not having any of that. And, yeah. and, and Melly had a bit of that. Like, he just looked like someone you'd want to steer very, very clear <laughs> of. Yeah, I, that's yeah. that's about right. Inexplicably, um, after this, Cronulla do get another shot. There's a double knock-on call. Um, and so... Yeah, Logan Swan madly goes for an intercept, like on play four. That's right. about a minute left in the game. Like, lunges out to take an intercept when the pass... That's just, it down, yeah. No need to, like, if he didn't go for this, he would have just tackled the guy who caught it. But rightfully, looking <laughs> goes for the for intercept, it. Got a yeah. But again, an example of things cancelling each other out, <laughs> that leads to a scrum from which David Peachy just grubbers into the field and sets up a possibly the uh, possibly the most one-sided foot race, that side of uh, Moses Suley versus Greg Inglis on one leg. And... Uh, and 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 sets up a foot race between Greg Bird and Justin Murphy, which uh, which which <laughs> yeah. Justin Murphy, whip at winger wins fairly convincingly, falls yeah. on the ball, and with forty seconds left, all that is left is uh, Paul Gallen, uh, giving away a particularly boneheaded penalty for a strip, um, with yeah. about forty seconds to go to get the Warriors up the field, and they're off the hook, and the siren goes, and they've won sixteen ten. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that last sequence, I, I did want to talk about that. I just thought, so there's about a minute and a half to go and they have a full set mm. and Peachy kicks from the scrum mm. immediately. And I just wanted to say that God bless him. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I love him so much. Like, I know it didn't work and I know it might be like you, people going for Cronulla might think, I can't believe he did that. That's why he was so good because that wouldn't have occurred to many other people. <laughs> And you know uh, what I mean? And there were plenty and, of times we did things like that where it, you know, yes, it worked. they did work. And and that's the thing is he was good and he backed himself. And, you know, it's still, if it, people would have said the same thing if Stacey Jones's grubber kick didn't work. Yeah. Like, why did he kick on play four when he had a field goal next shot? And if they lose, that's really dumb. And in this play, you know, because it didn't work, it's like they had four plays at the Warriors. They probably would have had four tackles at them. Why is he kicked off the scrum? But you know what? He thought there was no fullback <laughs> back and there wasn't. He just yeah. underestimated who was on the chase, but he thought it was on and he kicked it. And that's why, especially someone who doesn't have to ride when it goes wrong, because I didn't go for Granola. I just <laughs> loved him. He did so yeah. many exciting things in a game of rugby league. Um, and, you know, I it was, even in this game, he's taken two mad intercepts and then done this. He was just a fantastically exciting player to watch. Um, the Gallon thing at the end, I was only going to note just a little precursor to Gallon's career. Like you get a little taste. He's a very young man here. Um, he'd be like flat out being 20, right? Like yeah. um, when he dives over to try and stop Tupi scoring when Melly's out, that really late try. And yeah. when Tupi, he thinks Tupi scored, he just boots something in the end goal, yells and kicks something. Yeah. Like how is this real tantrum? So you've got all these guys around professional footballers who are good, hard players who just walk back with the mask on and he's just losing it. And then when he gives away this penalty and realizes they've lost, he kicks the ground again and screams. That desire um, and competitiveness that made him so beloved at Cronulla. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't like him, but I really admire how much he wanted to win football games. Yeah. And you can see that from that young age. They're like, he can barely contain 
even then when he's going to have 15, 16 years to play and, you know, he's just a bench forward coming through young, how upset he is not to win is palpable and more obvious mm. than anyone else on his team. Um, and that sort of fury and, you know, nasty well, and, and, like, competitiveness and he, it made him so good and fueled the rest of his career. Well, but this is this is he's still like that fifteen years later. Yeah, <laughs> when they yep. win the grand final, you know, like he has to go through yep. fifteen years of days like that. Yep, in the semis and not even making the semis and all this, and has to grind and bash yep. away for all that time to yep. get that day where. Yeah. Um, where they, they finally win. Yeah. Um, and you're and right about 10 game. Origin series to get the one in yeah. one as well. Like it, the yeah. same thing at Origin. Like he just had to go through all that. And he just, it's that dogged. Um, I, I understand why some people don't like him, but I would kill to have had a few more guys with his competitiveness and desire for Cronulla to drag Cronulla up in 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 my team as a Knights fan. I, I, I would just love it. It's He was, <laughs> he, he, it's, you can just see it, can't you? No one else is reacting like that. No, no, you can't. Yeah. You just can't be any more wholehearted than that. Um, yeah. No, yeah. he he was he was fantastic, and and yeah, you do see a bit of it, but you also see a bit of the. He was quite loose and and quite quite a loose cannon in his early years, and quite oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. quite silly. Like he would do daft things yeah. like this, and I remember saying, going, yeah, I remember that. He was a bit of a. Um, I don't know what the modern equivalent would be, but he he, he was someone who had a lot of mistakes and and um, and silly penalties and stuff in him, and you you get a glimpse of that here. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's. I mean, the, the scenes at, at full time, as you imagine, are, are glorious. Um, I mean, minimised only to, any, to in a small way by Ivan Cleary being named man of the match. Uh, over, yeah, yeah, he's picked man of the match over Stacey. It's outrageous. Um, no, I'm not having that. No, I'm no. not having it at all. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Ivan Cleary, I couldn't help but looking at him thinking with that shaved head look that he actually looks like older than he looks now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He does actually, like, yeah. yeah. that awful, like, shaved head, like, 30s footballer <laughs> with a really short cut. I was thinking, like, he looks quite a bit older and more battered than he actually does as a um, fairly presentable um, older <laughs> Distinguished gentleman coach. Yeah, that's that he, right. Yeah. That he's in like well, twenty look, years later. The trouble yeah. I have with him here is he doesn't look like either of the Finn brothers in this at this no, era. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. Which is really just sort of pointless. Um, the the only thing really left to say, I mean, Cronulla are gutted, and so they should be, of course. But I really thought, on balance, they 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 had more than enough chance to win this game, and and both teams did so much wrong, you know, and and either of them had they lost, would have really been able to isolate things that they had done that you know there wasn't there wasn't so much unlucky they both made a lot of mistakes and did a lot of daft mm. things and gave the other side a lot of chances and Cronulla you know from from 15 to go um probably should have got themselves home uh, and didn't and and the thing about that of course is that that was kind of it for them I mean that this this side that we liked so much and I, I referred to it before as the kind of peachy Preston side Preston of course after round 13 in in this season, didn't play again for Cronulla. Um, and then, of course, went to Penrith. The, the following season after this, Cronulla finished 12th. Uh, Chris Anderson got the sack and John Lang and Preston won a premiership at Penrith. Um, you know, John Lang, who had been had been booted by Cronulla for Anderson and, and Preston Campbell had been booted for Kamali. Um, I dare say that was fairly sweet. But... Um, yeah, this was the end of that. This was the end of that kind of era for Cronulla, and this this team never really got this close again. And for the Warriors, I mean, they had one more crack at it. They made the prelim the following year uh, and lost. Um, but this this again was this was their 
this was kind of their best day, I guess. They ended up losing to that Penrith side in the prelim in 2003. Uh, and as everybody knows, of course, they lost the grand final. But um, two, this is really, these are two great sides, two really enjoyable sides that we remember so well, um, you know, that, that, that didn't last much longer after this. This was kind of the last, um, their, their best day. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Cronulla, yeah, it was sort of an, almost an add-on for Cronulla having sort of gutted the core of things to bring in mm-hmm. Anderson and Kamali um, and get exactly the same result, which is funny in a lot of ways. But, I mean, certainly not because, you know, they didn't not improve because of Noddy, as we talked about. He was, was fantastic in the game. They just didn't win on the, on the day. Um, the Warriors, yeah, there was a couple of years there where the Warriors were really enjoyable and strong when when... Stacey was at his as his peak, and it's a shame they they didn't win one because they deserve to be probably remembered at a yeah. bit more than they are. They they were one of the most exciting teams to watch, and they were a brilliant side. And um, I suppose it, it's something that teams could learn about with a bit of patience and, and things like that. Now is that they'd actually had Stacey since they started, um, and it's interesting that you know he was a very young man when he started in '95, but we're talking like this is now 2002. Like he's had to play for five, six, seven years to hit his peak and be able to carry a side through the finals. Yeah. And when you're starting a, um, a new club, but we don't always talk about new clubs. Well, if you talk, talk about teams down the bottom of the table and just to draw a comparison, what about a team like Canterbury has come last for a couple of years now and have signed Matt Burton, who's a really talented young player. And they're just expected now to make the finals and rise up immediately. And if they don't, he'll be considered a gigantic sort of failure. And 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 we see that a lot now. Is that the the Warriors? Um, Stacey was very good. Where well, they were bad, by the way, I might point out. But yeah, you know, you you, t- you need to show some. It can take quite a few years to really develop a team and the the pieces around a really good young player like him before success comes. It doesn't just flow. Because you go, oh, Stacey's a real gun at 18 or 19 that comes through. It was a long time for him to hit this peak and have these couple of years where the pieces were around him where they could actually make a tilt at the premiership. And they nearly, yeah. nearly got there. And, well, it, and it the just, other you thing, know, it's not just overnight. No, and the other thing that probably needs to be mentioned is that because they became so dominant uh, or became so strong after this, the mm. Roosters, it's sort of, I think, to many people, is seen as inevitable that they were going to win the grand final the week after this game. But mm. Stacey Jones scores that majestic try in the sixth minute of the second half to put them eight six in front. Mm. And they lead until the 58th minute. Like this is not, yeah. I know it ends up 30 to eight and the Roosters crushed them in the last 15, but like the, 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 the Warriors are in front in the grand final with 25 minutes to go, you know? Yeah. Um, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't just, they, they didn't just uh, turn up and, you know, happy to be there. They, they were, they were right in it when it when it went into the last rounds, and in the end, the Roosters were a bit too strong at them at the end in the in the last few minutes. But uh, it's it, it wasn't the big blowout kind of either. They were lucky just to be there. They they competed all the way. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. It just yeah, fell apart in the last twenty minutes of the season, you know. Um, but I, I really, as you did, I really enjoyed watching this. It was a wonderful era in the game. Two really really exciting, uh, colourful sides that that we remember extremely fondly. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good pick. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that one. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Um, I, I think just to finish on Stacey, I, I, for anyone who's a little bit younger, if you want to know how highly I think of him and how highly a lot of people probably think of him, I think there's a genuine question about whether, whether he would be in front of or just behind Benji Marshall as the best 
half mm. to come out of New Zealand. I, I think if you were to say Benji Marshall is the best half to come out of New Zealand, and I was to say, no, I think it's Stacey, I don't think you could write that off as an but I think there would be a genuine look no. we could sit, and we won't do it now because it might take time. It take too long, but it would be a genuine discussion point that you would have to genuinely discuss and think about whether he, in fact, is the best player in the, in the halves that New Zealand's ever well, and, produced. And, and he's Jones, that good. He's in that conversation, isn't he, with, with Benji. Yeah, he's, that, yeah. he's that level of player. He was that good um, that you would have to – you can make arguments that Benji was better, but you would have to have a proper debate and discussion around that. It's not as simple as, ah, it's Benji and Daylight. He, he, this is the guy that would come into that conversation. Yeah, I think that's right. It's an awful shame that they never – really synced up to play in the same New yeah, Zealand team. Yeah. That's I mean, if they had been oh, sort of yeah. about the same age or Stacey yeah. in this era and Benji when he was young, goodness me. But um, they, you're right. And and thankfully for history, Stacey Jones scored the try that he scored in the grand final. And everybody, for just a moment, he played a lot of his football behind, you know, behind the paywall yep. over in New Zealand and a lot of, played a lot of his best football on Super Saturday and all that and didn't play much Friday night football and probably wasn't appreciated as much as a result. But for just one moment in the rain at Homebush on grand final day, the, the, the rugby league community had to take a moment and appreciate Stacey Jones. And that there is, the, 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 in a world of much injustice, there is some justice in that. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Gazzy. Uh, this is the unless, unless you've got any final thoughts. Uh, no, should, no, no, no. That, anyone that, who's me, the image of Stacey Jones's trial be that'll be putting me to sleep tonight. Yeah, we'll pop that up on the page through the week so that everybody can breathe it in again. Uh, it's 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 been a pleasure going through this game with you. We'll be we'll be uh, we'll be back with one soon. Uh, we'll we'll try and get another one out in the next week or so. If you've got a suggestion, by all means, hit us up on the Facebook page and let us know what it is. Until next time, it's Morgan Campbell and Luke Garrity signing off from the Rugby League Cemetery. <laughs>